0: Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsoutherncents.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. All right. I oh, forgot my microphone. <laughs> I'm starting to show up well. Oh, Welcome to another adventure here on Blood Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star, Daily News, up on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Speaker, YouTube, forget about it. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle of southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest. No longer, no longer known as the radio chick, but as the radio chick a d. <laughs> oh, Andy, the radio chick a d. Um, Along <laughs> with my co-host Curtis C.S. Esben, Curtis, you have no idea what is going on on my end. I'm telling you, anything and everything that can possibly just go wrong just went wrong on my computer. I'm like, what the? <laughs> I'm lost. I am absolutely lost, Curtis. Bail me out. (laughs) I think Curtis can't get on. Oh, Curtis. Curtis can't get on. Curtis, can you hear me now? Curtis, are you with me? I don't even have my co-host. Can anyone hear me? Oh, my goodness. Curtis, are you with us? I am lost with the co-host. Hopefully, Curtis can try to call back in because i thought i have no sound i heard the music playing over so uh i see chief and duck are in the chat room if you can hear me please just say yes that you can because that means that curtis needs to call back in uh because i have no sound from curtis
3: anyway
0: uh i hope you guys can hear me um anyway uh great at social distancing. I have no life. Uh, Curtis, Chief, can you hear me? All right. Can you hear me? All right. Looks like maybe they cannot hear me. Maybe it looks like I may have to call in and out. I hear nothing. I see nothing. Uh, I only hear any. Okay, Duck, you hear me, and Chief hears me. Okay, which means Curtis cannot hear me. So, Curtis, I'm going to boot you out and force you to call back in. Anyway, welcome to Southern Sense. Oh, geez, I told you. It must be Friday the 13th all over again, repeating itself. Boing. Anyway, we've got ourselves, if we could make the rest of the show work out fine, a a great lineup. Um, My friend Glenn McCall from the South Carolina GOP, he is also the national spokesperson, one of them, the national spokespersons for the RNC. He'll be calling in at around 330 um, and join us for about 15 minutes. And then we're going to have our friend Gregory Wrightstone. Oh, I love this man. I could just eat him up. I mean, I, just to meet him in person, he is just as genuine as when you hear him speak on the air or if you see him over on Fox. Recently he was on Steve Hilton on Fox Nation, and I, I watched it, and what a pleasure. I mean, I love him so much. Uh, he'll be joining us. We also have a new person, Phil Kirpin, um, he is with a group called American Commitment, and he also has one for senior citizens, American Commitment for Seniors. Um, he's going to be joining us, and he's going to be hitting on a subject that is near and dear to my soul. Oh man, dissing, dissing AARP as if the, the mass media, the mainstream media, just loves AARP. And, oh, my goodness, I have been on a one-woman crusade against AARP before I turned 50. (laughs) And once I turned 50, (laughs) the gloves were off. Anyway, he'll be joining us to discuss the ins and outs of AARP. And then we've got a, a, a new friend. He's a former CIA operative, and he's written two books, the first book of why and the second book of why. I had mentioned it uh, at our last show, and the first book of Why is called Why I Am Me. And you you think it's one of these touchy feely books, you know, one of these psychological, oh, this is why, you know, you you can't, your life is such a disaster because you haven't been able to cope, and this is how you. That's not what the book is about, people. Um, The guy is a former CIA operative, and when I started reading the book, I go, it's not what I expected. It's an amazing book. I've just read both of the books. We're going to be talking to him about that. We're going to be discussing the coronavirus. We're going to be discussing everything that possibly is going on under the sun. Uh, another thing, if you noticed, I did not introduce myself as the radio chick. Mm. Annie is has gotten herself onto another warpath. What? Annie on a warpath? No, 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 no. Um, I had been... At, uh, uh, contacted through the my uh, page uh, and uh, this one person uh, happens to be a broadcaster out of uh, New York someone I had never heard of before and her title happens to be the radio chick and uh, she threatened me over trademark infringements oh, well those of you that know me that doesn't go over too well so I have to go in back and forth, back and forth, and she sent me the documents. She also claimed I did an illegal action. Wow. You're going to tell this cop what is criminal, what is not. I'm sorry, you violate a trademark. You know, a filing, criminal action, unless there's intent to gain personal wealth and to you know defame or or slander the individual that actually holds that trademark, none of that, was, not a single penny of personal gain has ever been made off of this radio show in over 10 years. Uh, so uh, no no criminal action, maybe civil, civil, not even because there was no intent of harm. No knowledge of this trademark hasn't been filed by this woman how many years ago? But consequently, I've had to give up the moniker of the radio chick. So, Annie turns around after several emails, go back and forth and says, you don't mind if I have to use the radio chickadee, unless you've actually patented that, too. <laughs> you know my snidest, my snarkiness. Let's hope Curtis is with us now. Curtis, can you hear us?
4: Yes. I have dropped out for some reason.
2: Hooray! Time. Curtis
4: is in
2: the house! <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yay. <laughs>
4: i tell you, I don't know what's worse, BTR or this virus. <laughs> it keeps killing us every Friday.
0: Oh, man. I'm trying to see if we got ourselves up on Facebook, and I it looks like we are not. Um, we're not up on the live videos. Oh, yeah, we are actually up on Facebook's SHR Media. So yes, we are up over there. Um, so if you are watching on SHR Media, we are finally up over there. Okay, so guys, we're up there. But I'm looking on my own page, and I don't. Up. Oh, yes, we are finally up on Southern Sense. Holy cow! I'm telling All you, right. this 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 show today has been the it's nightmare. Weird. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it has started off weird. <laughs> and Curtis says he's back as he's up on the <laughs> chat room. <laughs> yeah. Well, I welcome everyone that <laughs> has joined us over up on, on Facebook. And uh, I'll try to get the – oh, here we go. Try to get the watch parties going on, on both of them. And we'll start them up on, on uh, SHR Media as well as Southern Sense. Start the watch parties
2: on both there.
4: Yeah. You know, I anyway. wish I could have stayed longer Monday. I think it was Monday when we were on the radio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Right,
0: right. How right. did
4: it go after I left? It
0: Well, we did a special broadcast and Yanni did join us. So, if anyone actually does believe, yes, I am married to a man named Yanni, J A N I, (laughs) pronounced Y A N I. My buddy. And Curtis has met my husband. Yeah. And, matter of fact, Curtis's wife, uh, Carolyn, and my husband, Yanni, have fallen asleep together on the couch. True story. (laughs) We'll leave it there at that, right, Curtis? And Carol's probably behind you, over there, going, "She did not just say that over there." Yes, I did, Carol. (laughs) Because we can laugh about it. Um, Anyway, Um, no, I forgot what I was saying.
4: We're talking about the um, broadcast.
0: Oh yeah, Monday we did a special broadcast because of my be for tea party. They don't want meetings of people over 50 people uh, here in South Carolina, but they were encouraging anyone over 10 people to not congregate. Uh, Right now here in South Carolina, the governor has issued an order calling for all indoor and outdoor dining to be closed. As of yesterday, um, they're closing down hotels. Now, where I am in South Carolina is a very, very heavy tourist area. And what this will do to our economy, even if they're closed for a week, two weeks, it would be a disaster. You know, we are heavily into the hotel and tourist, and we're we're at the start of the tourist season. I mean, this is where everything ramps up. We have restaurants that just opened in the last month. And how are they going to survive being closed in their first two weeks of opening? I have no idea. I don't know what the stimulus package would do, but it's a drop in the bucket. But I also don't agree with the stimulus package. The answer is not for government to bail us out. The answer is for government to find a solution to this virus and a solution to the panic that people have. If you have gone into the grocery stores lately, shelf upon shelf upon shelf is empty from people from hoarding. That's not smart, folks. You should have been prepared to begin with. You know, Curtis, you know Yanni and I are always hurricane prepared. And you live in an area that you get a lot of hurricanes. So you know that you always have extra toilet toilet paper, extra paper towels. If you're going to buy a bag of rice, buy two. Leave one on the shelf. And you get down to that second one, buy another one. And you always keep something stockpiled. Pasta, canned goods, dry goods. You always keep stuff. I mean, if I need to make pasta, I can make pasta every day of the week for the next month and probably still not run out. <laughs> so I'm half a diet. All I, I need it.
4: to get is a generator. Yeah. I know wow. you have a generator. I have to get one.
0: I've got two. I've got two. One propane, one gasoline. So if, I, if the gasoline stations cannot pump gasoline, I have a propane tank that uses less per gallon or pound, if you want to call it that, um, than I would in gasoline and would run longer, on less. So I have both. And if I need, I've got a grill. I've got a charcoal grill. I've got my fireplace uh, so I can cook in my fireplace. I've got a grill that goes into my fireplace. I am prepared. We've got candles if we lose light. Um, so you know you you think of these things ahead of time. In the garage, I've got a case and a half of water. We start digging into the other case because Yannick goes nothing's going to happen. Let's let's use up one of these cases and we'll buy another one
2: later. <laughs> so
0: um, we actually even have a hot tub on the porch. And Curtis, you took a quick look out back and he, you know, saw the disaster on the porch. But we cleaned off a corner of it. We've got a, a four person okay. hot tub. Even if uh, we were not to have water and I need to flush the toilet, I can dig into the hot tub, pull out several buckets of water, and flush my toilets. If I need water for cleaning, I can boil the water and use it for cleaning. I won't use it for cooking. I'll use the bottled water. But you have to be prepared. And if if you're on medication, always make sure you have no less than three weeks supply of medication on you. If you have to talk to your doctor and say, hey, do you have free samples? You know, Ask the doctor for free samples so you can stockpile. I make sure I have extra of my heart medicine because that's my major concern. And I've got always a month and a half of extra heart medication because I ask him for the free sample. Get yeah, things smart. But instead, everyone thinks of us as a disposable society and everything has to be, oh, I can run to the store last second and get whatever I want. Whether well, that's grape, Poupon mayonnaise. Well, sorry, folks. I don't think you're going to say gray gray pupano or any mustard on the shelf for the next two months because people have hoarded and stockpiled. Anyway, that is my rant for now. We're starting to run out of time here, Curtis, Um, as I do my rant, because I know Glenn is going to call in in the next few minutes. And um, maybe what I may do is since he will be calling in in about 10 minutes, um, I will postpone the dedication until after he calls. We'll have another 15 minutes to uh, fill before. Uh, our oh okay. Next guest. So that's what I'll do. So I I'm just gonna put this aside for now and then um we'll do the uh dedication after we talk to Glenn Nicole. Yeah.
4: So you know, I, I, I wonder if to kids today know what a candle to is.
0: <laughs> you know, that's a curious thing because we had a, a blackout because of a storm that came through here a couple of years back. And Yanni and I pulled out the generator, cranked it up, got the TV going, plugged in the the refrigerators, because I've got two refrigerators and a deep freeze, made sure all three were plugged in. And then we plugged in the TV. And, you know, you hook it up to, we've got satellite dish, so you hook it up the dish and everything's all in the one plug. And we were able to have TV. And, you know, our TV going, the generator going, the refrigerator's going. We got some lights plugged in. And I looked outside, and the neighborhood's black. None of my neighbors within a six-house radius had any lights, not a single candle, not a single light. <laughs> I went into my spare room, filled my back pocket with candles, and started knocking on doors. And I says, listen, I don't see any lights. Do you have any candles? And they said, no. So I pull out two candles. And they says, I'm across the street. If the lights don't come out, back on by, these, by the time these candles burn out, come across the street, I've got some more, I'll give you some more. And I was knocking on doors, handing people candles. And they says, listen, if okay. it's lasted a long time, we've got the ability to cook. And if you, you have no food or anything like that, you know, we'll be happy to share. When Hurricane Matthew came through, uh, a neighbor across the street from mine, he was prepared. He had his generators going. He had food. He was barbecuing. We were doing the same thing. And we had friends down the street living without any lights, any electricity, no food. And she had her granddaughter, a, a seven-year-old granddaughter, living with her. And I says, bring her down. We've got plenty of I went out and made barbecue chicken and big things and stuff. We were prepared. And we were able to share our bounty. I mean, if I needed to, I could have made bread. <laughs> so, you know, but we, we had everything. We had enough supplies. We were ready, and that's the whole point, folks. I think this is the biggest learning moment for our nation: is teaching us preparedness, something that our great grandparents, yeah, survival, to, yes. my grandparents knew how to do. I mean, my grandmother had her victory garden during World War II. And the funny thing is I had not done gardening in the last couple of years because of my arthritis, my bad back. And I've been going through new physical therapy, and I'm starting to feel a little bit better. I still have a hard time lifting, bending over, and doing a lot of things, but I'm feeling better. So I started up my own seeds. So I've got tomato, green pepper. I've got all different types of spices, like parsley, dill, basil, Lord knows whatever else I've got. Um, I've got all this stuff already starting, sunflowers. <laughs> I've got sunflowers starting, some wildflowers starting. But I, I, I had it. So, Lord forbid, you know, I can't get tomatoes. I'm not going to be growing my own. If I can't get green peppers. I'm Italian. I need tomatoes and green peppers and onions.
4: <laughs> yeah, how hard can it be? I mean, Bloomberg said all you got to do is put a seed in the ground and throw some water on it. <laughs> got instant garden couple of days later
0: Well, blooming,
4: blooming <laughs> idiot
0: Bloomberg it's not that easy it's not that easy <laughs> anyway
4: that <guy. laughs>
0: but you know simple, simple preparedness simple common sense but you know Curtis one thing that really really made me super glad walking through the the living room and Trump was talking and Mike Pence was there and Pompeo and a couple of other people and they were talking about general. the things. That, yeah, um, we had. Uh, he was talking about the things that he has already put in place, things that he has initiated, and things that he has set for the future. And then he started to talk about different manufacturers, especially in the audio industry, that are re-gearing their assembly lines to accommodate the needs. Whether it is for the 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 masks to to protect yourself, whether or not it's for the sanitizing lotions, or for gloves, or for the ventilators, our American industry and the the independent capitalists out there, the independent free market thinker out there, is thinking outside the box. This is something that Europe and the communist and socialist world has the inability to do, is think outside the box like an American can. What makes us so uniquely American is because we have independent thought, independent action, and the free market economy to look for where there is a niche and a need and to fulfill that need and meet the needs of the american people in any circumstance in any emergency god bless america and god bless for the men and women out there looking for these niches and these needs. there's a man out there by the name of Khan that started an online school for kids from you know preschool kindergarten all the way up through high school and people finally found him online and said well We're locked at home. We're in self-quarantine. My kids are pulled out of school because school is closed. Here in South Carolina, the schools are closed. How many thousands of kids are wandering around out there, you know, causing trouble and havoc, where the parents are saying, nope, you're stuck in the house with us. You're going to continue your schooling. We're going to work with you. We're going to get through this. And kids are being self-taught at home by their parents. What a wonderful, wonderful great thing it is out there!
4: do so you know ben that ben... um during World War two the military took over um Walt Disney Studios and they made mm-hmm. a lot of um movies, little shorts, war effort movies um you know to raise funds and stuff for the war effort so you know, we we go back a ways when it comes to our in- industry, you know, coming to the rescue of America, even World I- War One,
0: World War I, World War Two, and guess who was someone that was very instrumental in Hollywood and Walt Disney in producing a lot of those military films? Ronald Reagan, our future president of the United States. Ha ha. Yeah. How many people knew that? That Ronald Reagan was the one that was involved in a lot of that. Oh, yeah. And like I said, you know, households, of course, the, the nations during World War II had their victory gardens, whether or not it was on a windowsill outside of your city apartment or, like my grandmother, in the lot next
2: to her house.
0: And a lot of people had lots. If they lived in an urban area, shared the lot, and created that victory garden – a lot of people in suburban areas had it in their backyards. A lot of people in the Europe, rural areas had it in their empty plots. You know, our nation pulls together any and every time there is a crisis. And you know what really gets me is is that we have this contained essentially, and they turn around and said that we've got now. I think it's now something like fourteen thousand people have contracted the virus. So, I did a little basic math. And do you know what that comes up to? The percentage of Americans that now are infected. All right. Well, I estimate there's approximately 350 million people in the United States, give or take. And actually, it's a higher number if you consider all illegal aliens. So, they say 323. So, you just round it up to 350. That comes up to not 0.4, not 0.04, not 0.004, not 0.0004. It comes up to point zero 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 four percent of the Americans that have been infected, infected with this virus. That is approximately the same number that died from SARS- but the ones that died from SARS under the Obama administration, was there a nationwide panic? Was there a worldwide panic on that one? No. But mainstream media, or should I say mainstream media, has decided to ramp it up. The Obama haters decided to ramp it up. And if you remember, two and a half months ago, I said George Soros made a public statement that coming into the elections, there's going to be on a major economic disaster, my question is, is what did George Soros know? How much of his corporate influences are in China? How did did he know that this was going to break out when it broke out? George Soros has a lot to answer for. I think our guest is listening in on the line, and he's probably going, oh, crap.
2: (laughs) What did Gabriella
0: get me into? So let's let's bring the caller in on the line. And I do believe this is my friend Glenn McCall. Good afternoon, Glenn. Hello. How you doing,
5: Annie?
0: Uh, I am doing fine. You know, I am so sorry I missed you at the Trump rally. Uh, when Gabriella helped me get the tickets, she got me the ones in the press area. Because I was, my intention was broadcast to broadcast and have you come down, have a uh, uh, – uh, 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 Chris come down and talk to me, you know, over in the press area, but they wouldn't let me out. They had me penned in. And you know what? I, Of right. course, I wore a T-shirt. My husband and I made these T-shirts, and it said, View for Tea Party for Trump. It said, View for Tea oh, Party wow. SC for Trump with the South Carolina flag on it. Do you know the oh, nasty, dirty stick I got from the media area? And we're sitting there with our mega hat sitting in front of our equipment. Right. Unable to broadcast because right. I couldn't get a signal out. And I'm going, damn. And that's why I kept on texting you and trying to call you. And I couldn't even get the text out because it was blocking my signal.
5: <laughs> right. Well, I tell you, it was a great event. It was a great event, well attended, and the president uh, did a good job as always.
0: Oh, he did. It was it was so much fun. And, and you know, he did one more rally before we had this Corona or COVID virus or, or Wuhan yeah. virus, as I am calling it um, you know, one more rally. And, you know, I can't wait for this to pass and him to wrap back up those those rallies again. But, you know, why isn't right. anyone like uh, asking the question, what did George Soros know and how early did he know it? Because he does have major interests and connections into the communist government in China, Wuhan province is where they had the biological factory there. And it was the epicenter of the breakout right around the factory. What did he know? And could he be held culpable for this outbreak and for any deaths that occur? It's a question yeah. I'm asking.
5: Right. It's a good one, I think. Right. Well, I, I, I think, I think uh – You know, it's definitely worth asking, but I I, I feel the president is, is, uh, no matter how it happened, how we got here, and I would agree with you, I was listening, where the H1N1 uh, virus uh, back in 2009 under President Obama, most people didn't even know about it, and it killed, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was over 10,000. And I don't got I think I over two hundred thousand. I think it was over twelve thousand. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, well, over, well 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 yeah. well no one even knew about it. You know, very few people knew. We definitely didn't uh you know, quarantine uh uh, uh have this uh with social the distancing and and uh the things that's happening today. But irregardless of that, I feel the president is doing a great job showing his leadership and compassion for for our country. And I don't know if you saw it today. I think it's 55% of Americans feel he's doing a a great job in in handling this. And uh, what was meant uh, for evil will turn out for for good. And uh, he is doing a a good job, he and his team and the vice president. And uh, we're we're looking forward to, and we're going to get
6: past this,
5: and uh, we're going to win this election because the American people understand that the president cares about this country. He created jobs. Uh, we, we, you know, things will slide back, but I'm convinced that before the election, things will pick back up.
0: You missed the the rant I had just before that because what it makes America so great. So wonderful, so unique than any other part of the world is because we have the ability to do something that Europe can't do, the communist countries can't do, the the socialist countries cannot do. We can innovate. We can think outside the box like no other nation. When President Trump put right. out the call for people to help them with hand sanitizers, with masks, with ventilators, with all these other things we need, we're finding mm-hmm. people coming out of industries you would never think possible of being able to give us anything. Right. I mean, right. for the Auto industry saying, well, we can help you with the masks. Uh, We have another industry saying, well, if you can change the listing on these masks and have them approved,
7: Mm -hmm. because they're the
0: same exact mask, it's just the insurance. And Trump says, we're working on it, we're going to get it done. Our nation is the only nation that can do this. And I'm so proud to be an American at this time in history.
5: Yeah, and we're coming together. But it shows uh, what difference it make to have a businessman in the White House, someone who's created jobs, who who had to work through challenges and 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 build buildings and get projects approved, versus a career politician in in the White House like Joe Biden would be, uh, uh, I and Obama when he was there, and uh, uh, I I think uh, like I said I'm I'm confident we'll move past this, and I love it the way. Uh, he is working with the public private partnerships to make things happen and uh to not only move uh, public private but he is also asking government agencies to be creative and innovative and, and uh, uh approving medication and research and so forth so i think it's i think it's showing the great skills that he has to bring people uh together
0: you know, I, I had a laugh, you know, because our governor, McMaster's, put out the the executive order closing down restaurants, indoor and outdoor dining. Right. And, right. Uh, and I, my husband and I made a, a short run to the uh, hardware store yesterday. Uh, and uh-huh. I look over at a local restaurant, and he had put a tent in front of the opening of his business. And he had people sitting mm. in cars waiting for their pickup. He says, well, if you're not oh. going to be able to come into the restaurant, I'm open. We're going to set out an outdoor where you can pay for it or pick up your meal, and you can feel safe and not worry about you know, getting sick. And I started looking right. around at other oh, businesses here in South Carolina, and I says, God bless America. Because only right. in America, because we see what's going on in Italy, and we see death after death, because they're not prepared. They have no idea how to think right. outside the box, right. like an American can. And here's, here's a funny thought. Talk about inability to think outside the box, bringing this to our presidential election. I had to really, really laugh, because uh, the Trump-Pence team uh, released a little bit of a press thing. And any uh,
2: right.
0: time... Ty- Anytime Trump says, well, I'm going to do something uh, such as looking for a public option plan uh, to help uh, Mm. hospitals reduce their high risk, next thing we know, Joe Biden is parroting the same exact words. And then there was the call um, for about, you know, uh, hospital employees and something else he called that. And every time Trump opens his mouth about what he's going to do about, you know, uh, out to industry to Mm -hmm. work with government. Uh, Biden all of a sudden says the very same thing. So, this presidential race, even though we've got this virus right. going on, still has its comical moments
2: coming from the Democrats. You right. Can't this right. Up, Len. You can't. Oh,
5: well, no. And, and what he's done is connected himself, and he is connected with the Obama administration who really uh, did nothing, ran this country in the ground. They were not uh, creative and, and uh, thought leaders uh, on how to grow the economy. And he's going to be tied. I, I'm personally happy he, he's going to be their nominee because he's going to be tied to the failed presidency of, of, of Obama, eight years. And and not only that, his 30-plus years in, in government, federal government, and, I, I mean, we don't need someone like that. The president's doing a great job in leading us through this crisis. And uh, most people I talk with are confident that uh, we're going to uh, come out of this and we're going to be even stronger uh, as we move forward.
0: You know, I, I was watching the uh, press, uh, the presser earlier today, and I, I, I was watching that one person um, – I forget what station he was with, uh, and <laughs> Trump just really put the guy in his place. And you're listening to the mainstream media, and it's like, well, how dare you talk to him? Don't you – do you think you had the right tone? And I love this man, Trump. God bless him. He goes, yes. Because as soon as she asked the question, I'm screaming. My husband's looking at me going, I'm going, say yes, say yes. Yes, of course,
5: truth.
0: right. Of course, I did. <laughs> you know, you gotta That's love the man because he's—he's he's not taking it. He's not
2: taking. No. it. I don't
0: care who you are in the press. He's—he's gonna say, "I want you to call the truth," and he is. He's forcing them to be responsible for their actions, and they don't like that, do they?
5: No, and, and not only that, what he has been saying uh, before he even won the presidency that we need to decouple ourselves we are too tied in with China and and this crisis is showing that where we have too many of our, our critical medical components and supplies being made there that we need to bring back and uh, so uh, they won't talk about any of that it's it's uh, you know the only thing that's on their mind has he been tested is he okay and when was the test done and uh, are we going to test all Americans? How many times does he have to say, uh, if I'm feeling well, why would I get a test? I don't need the test. If I'm not showing any symptoms, and uh, I would agree, it's it's uh, they cannot, uh, uh, most of them, give him credit for anything. But uh, the American people outside of the Beltway understand what's going on. And uh, this latest poll on his performance uh, in handling this crisis is only going to increase as as we move forward and come out of this. So. Actually, well, you, you
0: mentioned something. Oh, I'm sorry. He mentioned You mentioned something, Glenn, that was really important about how many of our pharmaceuticals come out of China. And I had General Spaulding on a couple of months back, and this was our very subject, because I'm on quite a few medications, and some of them, if I miss them, I'll end up in the emergency room. I'll end up going into you yeah. know a cardiac arrest or whatever. And how many Americans are just like me? that we don't know what's in these medications. I mean, I went to full anaphylactic shock right. on Friday the 13th in September because I took an antibiotic, and obviously this must have come out of China. Something was in there that I went into full right. shock. Right. And right. one of the things Trump... Has done is saying I'm calling for made in America once again, and I'm glad to see that even Tom Cotton has put up legislation following, you know, Trump's lead, saying let's get made in America back, especially with right. our pharmaceuticals, especially with our aging uh, population.
5: That's right. That's right. I totally agree. I did not uh, realize that eighty, ninety percent. Our generic drugs are are mixed, uh, if you will, in China, and and, uh, and we just can't have that. We need to, I would agree, let's made in America, and and I mean we still can do uh, business. You know they can make clothes and shoes, and but I think these critical items we need to bring back on shore here in in, in America. So I'm glad to hear Senator Cotton. Is uh, have filed the bill to
3: to to this
4: effect. Yeah. What I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Go ahead, that, Curtis. Of most of my friends that are panicking and right. are in fear are Democrats. Right. Right. And I can see <laughs> <Boy>. this because <laughs> all they get is bad news when they watch um, MSNBC and CNN. I mean, even right. even my my faith based Democratic friends. Are fearful, and and that's because the the Democrats operate on an emotional level, and right. Republicans more cerebral. So we think things through, where yeah. they they yeah. react with emotion, and this is right. right up their alley. Fear.
5: That that's right. It's fear, and they know how to pull at the at the uh, you know the the heartstrings of of, of, of uh, people of color. And uh we're, you know, Republicans, we're the boogeyman and and uh I even had one, one, one person to tell me, well, Trump wanna put us back in flavor. And say, Where did you hear that foolishness? you know, it's foolish. And and I so you you need to look at and read different different opinions, different news outlets
3: and and
5: uh uh be fact based and uh uh, so I I, I think you, you're definitely right that uh, it's all about emotion and and that goes back to you know uh, our, our church services they're all about emotion it's not about a relationship and, and truly understanding uh, both sides and being fact based about our information most of uh, my family members they had no idea about in uh, one. Uh, uh H1N1 virus and when Obama was in in 2009 I said no why why didn't we do these things back then and it's because they didn't want to do the media didn't want to uh, uh, uh advertise it and and uh, have it leading on news uh shows because it would have uh, painted his his presidency because he did nothing really uh, as it relate to to protect American people, like President Trump is doing today. So, so, but I, I well, still know, believe. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. I was going to say um, you you mentioned you know no one knew about the H1N1, uh, but there was a doctor and someone had put this up on Facebook had put this handwritten note on his desk on his door for his uh, his clients, and he said every election year has a disease. He starts off with SARS in 2004, the avian flu 2008, the swine flu 2010, MERS 2012, Ebola wow. 2014, the Zika 2016, Ebola again under Obama 2018, and now we come up with the corona or COVID or Wuhan virus that I call wow. it. Right now, we've had it every election year, but why is this one worse? Because it's under Trump. That's
5: right. That's right. That's the only reason. I, you know, I, 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 you know, we all empathize for, for those that have been affected by it, uh, especially those that have lost their lives. But, but it's, you know, to me, it's. I'm not fearful. I, I mean, I'm safe. I, I, you know, I do. i always wash my hands. I'm just a little more cognizant of it now, but. Uh I, I think I know we're gonna come past this and uh, uh our Lord and Savior hadn't given us the spirit of fear. So uh <laughs> because fear control people and that's what the Democrats about control. And uh but I, I still believe the president is gonna do well with people of color because they know what he's done prior to this and I believe by the time November election get here, we will be back uh, uh, picking up some of these games that we that we've lost.
0: Well, uh, Glenn, I want to introduce you to my co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett. Uh, I don't think that you know. Uh, he is the author of over twenty four, twenty five books now, Curtis. I mean, what are you up to?
4: Twenty six.
0: <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> One of them oh, being you. a biography, one of them being a biography of Frederick Douglass, and one of his right. more recent books, I believe, is it C.L. Bennett, I think, is helping you trying to make it into a movie, one of your more recent ones. Is it C.L. Bennett, or is it, uh, oh, oh, good Lord, oh, Brain
4: Fart, Curtis, it's, help me. <laughs> it's uh, Brain fart. a Hankerson um, group, um, Derek Hankerson. I don't think we ever had him on oh, a okay. radio show, but he's no? got a... No. It's got a, a film, film corporation, independent. Okay, okay. So oh, that's
0: great.
2: So we would be a one to
0: help you with the blackout region. You and Leon win, and I love Leon. I always want to give him a hug. He is like this so adorable. Um, yes, they you are minority outreach because curtis goes all over the place and speaks and does you know little things uh you recently yeah. did something with former lieutenant governor um uh oh jennifer carol jennifer. yeah jennifer, jennifer Carroll. i'm yeah. having major braid farts
2: <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: the gray hair um the gray hair i'll blame it on the gray so, hair. so curtis <laughs> are you from
5: are you from south carolina you, i mean you reside in south carolina now
4: no, no. I live in Florida, but I'm from Philadelphia. Okay,
5: okay, okay. In
4: Florida,
5: yep. right?
4: I'm great. An hour below Jacksonville.
5: Right. Okay. Okay.
4: Okay. Good.
5: Well, I was stationed there definitely...
4: for a couple of years when I was in the Navy, and so I ended up staying right. in uh, Florida.
5: Okay. Well, I think that's, that's a great place to be.
4: Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a veteran of uh, Desert Storm, so if you want, I can Have the two of you exchange information Because he's also a great public speaker If you ever want him at you know, right.
2: One, one yeah. of our yeah. large...
0: Are we still having that convention Coming up, the presidential convention Or is that uh, pulled
5: Yeah, off? Uh, No, no No, I'm co-chairing uh, The committee on arrangements Here in Charlotte uh, For the convention, and we're still working Hard to have it, we're we are confident that we will have our convention at the end of, uh, end of August. So, uh, so I would love to get Curtis information and, uh, see what, 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 uh, what can be done there.
4: Yep. Just All right. Some, oh, that's, that's somehow cool. just well, give I me your contact information you. and I'll, I'll send some, um, information to you, bio and stuff okay. like that.
2: All right. that's okay. That's now. Now, if you're going to the, the
4: okay. state convention, yep. no, <laughs> me,
2: Curtis. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll
4: make, I'm going to make you a sweet potato pie. <laughs> oh no,
0: okay, no, you can't do one More better great. than me. <laughs> My pecan pie is a sweet potato pie. You
4: can't. No, I'm sorry. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so anyway, right. what about the state the, the state convention for the nomination? Um, we still have um, that? Yeah,
5: yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah. Now I know they're they're looking into that one because it's the. Uh, you know, as you know, it schedule what is it the second of May, and we need to have yeah. our district conventions in in the month of April, so hopefully we will hear something soon uh, uh as it relates to uh the uh, district and state conventions in may and uh April and may for, for the state oh but, great. Uh, but we're we're still working hard to uh to put on a great convention in charlotte uh uh the week of August the 24th, so.
4: Oh, Oh, great.
2: Great.
0: Well, well, hopefully I'll see you in May, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah yeah, love that. Cheryl and I will wear our, our red, white, and blue boots.
2: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well,
5: that would be great. That would be great. And I sure appreciate you giving me an opportunity to chat with you and
0: Curtis. That, that's, that's super. I was, I was just going to say thank you so much for joining us. You've actually stayed a little bit longer than uh, Gabrielle said you could, so I really do appreciate that. You are so much fun to talk with. And I'm sorry, I was on a royal rant today.
2: So I went way Right. Off That's epic.
0: okay. Well, hey, we
5: appreciate it. Thank you for what you're doing for you and Curtis. Well, I
2: appreciate it. You. You,
5: you guys have a, have a good we, weekend. Dar-
2: okay.
0: You too, Glenn. All right. Take care. okay. All right, so. Glenn McCall He is our national spokesperson, uh, and also he's a spokesperson for the RNC National. Uh, what what a pleasure always to talk with him. But Curtis, I'm going to have to now push this uh, dedication towards the end of the show because I'm looking at yeah. the clock and with the our and
4: next uh, guest. Will be will
0: be, I <laughs> just I mean, with the, the start of the show actually screwing up. Man. <laughs> no. Oh, man. You never know what's going to happen anyway. And uh, we've got the watch parties going on over on Facebook at H R Media as well as on Southern Sense. So if you guys have any questions or comments, please feel free to post on there, and we will continue to broadcast. Uh, We are not up on YouTube for some reason. There was a problem with some sort of an authorization. I don't know what that's about. We'll try to figure that one out a little bit later on. I got a question. uh,
4: Go ahead. What's going, like an <laughs> What's going <laughs> on with the mayor of New York and uh, the governor up there? It seems like one felt like he had the the power to um, have people, you know, stay inside their homes and whatnot. Like you know, he had absolute power. And Cuomo said, "Not so fast, you know. I'm the big guy here. You know. I thought those guys used to get along, well, he, with, you know, with each other."
0: Well, there seems to be a little bit of a pissing contest, and it looks like de Blasio, thankfully, will be losing that. Um, Mayor de Blasio seems to have lost his mind uh, because his attitude was that, well, I'm closing down all the nail salons, hair salons, the gyms, the restaurants, and the, the outdoor gathering, blah, 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 blah. And he shut basically New York City down. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. New York City is shut down. He went in so far as castigating people that gathered in public in the parks or on the beach. Uh, no, no, no. If you go out there on your own and there's no one around you, just do it your you're, you're just you. If you want to go jogging, but you're going to be jogging past people and you're going to be breathing on them. Um, hmm. That's I right. don't know about that. Uh, get on your exercise bike in the house. But if you want to go out and gather in a park, and fine, you keep the social distance to avoid any contamination. Or if you know for a fact that this other person is not contaminated, do you want to go out in the park and meet them? Fine. If you feel like hugging them, then that is your business, knowing what the risks are. This is called free choice, people. Free choice. You want yep. to take someone's hand? It's called choice if that person you know, chooses to shake your hand. Just be aware that there's possible consequences. And if that's the case, you want to shake someone's hand, hey, why don't you both take a little hand sanitizer, squirt a little on, and after you shake hands, wipe your hands. Or after you depart from each other, go straight to the bathroom and wash your hands. You know, there's common sense things. We are social creatures. We are human beings. We, we crave social contact. I'm sorry, watching me on Facebook and YouTube is not human contact, but I can say hi, I can joke around, but that's not the same as being with someone face-to-face. True, watching you me might as well be in a
4: space shuttle.
0: <laughs> or in a bubble. Yeah. Well, we crave human contact. I mean, my husband went to run out to the store this morning. And he walks out of the house without giving me a kiss. And he says, wait a minute, buddy. I go down the front steps and says, get over here. You know, you better give me a kiss here, honey child. Otherwise, you're not leaving this
2: property <laughs> here.
0: But that's me. That's my husband. I mean, we know. We know that both of us are safe. We know that neither one of us has been in contact with someone, or at least knowingly have not been in contact with anyone. I haven't had anyone call for sneeze on me. So I feel I'm, I'm fairly safe. Uh, we go, we'll go, go out to the grocery store and we laugh at people walking around wearing these masks. It's like every mask you wear, you idiot, you're taking it away from someone who actually needs it, you dildo. Uh, but, of course, you don't say that in person. You're thinking. Yeah. But it's you know, a common sense things, Curtis. You know that. I know that. The yeah. listeners here know that. There's no Tell way me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. No, you're go ahead. I guarantee you you're not wrong. Tell go me ahead. if I'm
4: wrong. I haven't heard a peep from Joe Biden since um, the um, Florida um, primary and since on Tuesday. You think they're trying to keep him quiet for a reason?
6: They're
0: limiting his output. you know, like I said earlier with Glenn, he has been mimicking a lot of what uh, Trump has been saying. When Trump called for industry to work with, you know, the federal government, in producing things we need, such as, as, for example, the surgical masks, gloves, alcohol wipes, a sanitizer, ventilation machines, other medical equipment. Uh, they now feel that there may be some hope with this uh, malaria drug that has been around for more than a century, I believe, because it's been around, well, actually less. I think it's 80 years um, between World War One and Two is when they came up with the uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but it's an additive to quinine water. It used to be really heavy quinine water. Um, The British actually came up with the quinine uh, when they were, uh, what do you want to call it, when India was its colony. And there was a high level of malaria. And they finally determined that, you know, people drinking quinine water were actually better off than people that weren't but that is not to say to go out and buy massive cases of tonic water and try to drink it. The amount of quinine that is in today's uh, tonic water is so low. It is only enough to give the tonic water a little bit of that bitter tang, but not enough to cure any disease, even if drunk in large quantities. (laughs) You'll end up, Drowning yourself in quinine water before you have enough quinine in your system to kill any sort of a bug. So, so guys, just just don't go crazy over what you're listening to and watching in the news. When they say they may believe this cure for malaria may be a good step forward, don't go buying massive cases of quinine water because there's not enough quinine in there to cure a piss ant. That mm. said, talking about. This ant's perfect intro to our next guest, and he's probably dying going, oh, my God, she just did not do that to me. <laughs> Welcome back, Gregory Wrightstone, author of Inconvenient Facts. Good afternoon, Gregory. <laughs> I'm a ant now.
1: Is that it? Huh? There's... Oh, man. I thought you, you told me you loved me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of a, a whole lot of hype going on here uh, about this. I think you saw. I've wrote. I've written actually. I've got a commentary I wrote on the COVID nineteen uh, and its relationship to temperature and humidity last week. And I've got another one that really takes a bigger picture of of temperature related mortality. I'm, it was supposed to have been published yesterday. Uh, I'm still waiting, but. Uh, I guess all these places, everybody's backed up due to this uh, COVID nineteen stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been fascinating. The more I learn about it, the better I feel. Actually, if you want to get into that right Ooh. now,
0: yeah, I, I, it's a massive panic. And as they said, under the SARS virus, under the Ebola breakout, we had far more deaths in a shorter period of time than what we are seeing in the Wuhan virus i'm going to call it for exactly what it is the Wuhan virus racist,
1: not the chinese racist. virus racist
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> racist um yeah you're 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 right about that it's early it's fairly early here in the united states but the most likely scenario is that this coronavirus will behave like all of its cousins and and close relations uh, in that it's it's actually not very hardy. Uh, it doesn't survive well out of a out of a fairly narrow temperature and humidity range. And what's what's odd, it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think that more humidity would mean it would survive better, but it doesn't. Uh, high humidity uh, is one of the things that that wipe it out. So you know you're you're living in a pretty where you are pretty warm and humid area, which might bode well for your area. Uh, and and the, the first study I saw on this related uh, the first major outbreaks in, in China, Italy, uh, Spain. Uh, it was in a fairly narrow geographic region uh, in the upper latitudes that was controlled, according to them, by both temperature and humidity. And really fascinating, and they had predicted where it would, where it would also uh, behave uh, like it had in other areas. And one of those was in the Northwest of the United States. And a couple of new areas popped up that fit right into their predictive pattern. Uh, so I'm not sure. And, and then later uh, we find laboratory studies I've been reading about where they can take these viruses. Now we don't, they haven't done the coronavirus, the, the 19, this one, uh, but there's, it would be, it would be highly unusual for it to behave much differently than the others that are very similar to it. And Probably the most—I—I I, I lean back on this. There was this. It was called the Diamond Princess cruise ship. I'm sure you're—you've you're, got smart listeners. They know what yeah. I'm talking about. And it was basically a floating petri dish, wasn't it? Because the virus probably raged out of control for several days before anybody exhibited symptoms. They're—they're they're in close quarters. They've got people coming and going into their into their rooms for cleaning. You know they're singing karaoke at night and slapping each other on the on the back and uh, you know toasting each other. You know it is on a cruise ship, you're pretty well packed in there. It's likely that most, yeah. if not all, of the passengers on that cruise ship were exposed to the virus. Yet mm-hmm. less eighty three percent of the people on the ship did not test. and and the good good news too, every single person on the ship was tested for the virus. So we know exactly uh, who had it and who didn't. Eighty-three percent of the people in that ship tested negative. And more encouraging, 48 point – let me get the right number here – 48.3 okay. percent of the people that did test positive had no, had no symptoms. And that's – so what, what that tells me and, – and bear in mind, too – now there was a one percent death rate on that ship, but bear in mind that was uh, there are a lot of, uh, of very old people on cruise ships. They're either newlyweds or n- nearly dead, is, is, is one way oh, to put gosh. it.
2: So
1: uh, yeah, so there yeah forty eight point of, six percent of the passengers that tested positive showed no symptoms, um, and out of those passengers there was a one percent mortality rate. But again, this was a Heavily weighted population of the cruise ship were uh, were pretty old, and that's what we've seen again uh, in China and in Italy. A lot of the people there were, were were smokers, which seems to be a really bad thing if you get this if you're a smoker. And so I'm oh yeah I, I see things. And the other the other thing we we talk about here is the first study we looked at uh, was that. Uh, Uh, Let me just, I I know it's not good radio to read something. I just got one sentence out of this study. I think it's important to to see what they had uh, to say about this. They said even more encouraging was the statement concerning the family of coronaviruses that this belongs to. They've been shown to display strong winter seasonality between December and April. And get this, they are undetectable in summer months in temperate regions. Basically, it just goes away. We're probably fortunate in the United States that it's arriving now, where as winter gives way to spring and summer, uh, it's very, very likely uh, that if this virus acts like the other viruses, then this will probably all just kind of go away. And, you know, we'd have to prepare for the next one. Uh, but these. Again, that, that's, that's, these are things that are encouraging to me. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing safety and precautions because uh, I was on an immunosuppressant and because of this I went off of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking precautions and I'm not taking it lightly. Uh, but all I hear is doom and gloom, and this, there's a, there's a very, very good possibility. We'll look back on this in a few weeks. And look at the economic destruction that's going on because of this, and mm-hmm. and wonder one of the possibilities could be we're, we're going to be wondering in a few weeks. You know, it was this? I hate to say it because my my son-in-law do not say what you what I'm about to say, but this might it could well be we're going to look at. It's different from Y2K, but but it's it could be just way overblown. I hope. That, that that is certainly well, I, one I scenario that you've never heard. No one's talking about.
0: No, I I actually completely agree with you because my mother called, and before my father passed away, he made sure that he, she had some investments uh, on the line. So if she needed anything, you know, as she gets older, and my mom will be eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Should be no, yeah, it should be eighty-eight this July. And she's still very active. You know, she goes and she goes and works for her bishop, and she goes to church every Sunday. Um, she's driving around, driving us crazy. Uh, but she says, well, you know, why did my investments drop $8,000? I don't understand. Should I pull everything out? Should I look to, we drop it somewhere? I says, Mom, leave it alone. And I began to explain to her what was going on. She lives in the Virgin Islands. She has no TV. She occasionally listens to the radio. She doesn't talk to people. So she had no idea what was going on. And as I walked her through it, then she understood. And I said, Mom, you got to understand. No, you're not going to get a lot of cases if you do get one or two. And as I found out, there is one on the island. But the person probably was someone that was in contact with a tourist. Right. And uh, I think, you know, here in South Carolina, at that point, we had a total, I think, of nine cases. I think we're up to 12 or 14 now in all of South Carolina. But that's, all of it is concentrated, except for two cases, in Spartanburg, which is up in the mountain area, where it is colder. Mm -hmm. colder. You don't have Mm -hmm. the humidity like you have here at the coastline. And it's also centered around a senior citizen's home. So when you start to look at where the clusters are in urban areas, in areas that have colder climates, that don't have the heat and humidity that we have, I mean, even you in in the Philadelphia area, you're going to have more cases than we would here in South Carolina. And as you go further north, New York, uh, the New England area, all up into Maine, they're going to have a longer season of this than we would have. And yet when you turn on the news, Gregory, all you hear are things coming out of California and New York and what happened to fly over country and the rest of the United
1: States. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. we had, but 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 first, I'm going to have to criticize you a moment because you first come on, you, you, you call me a name, and now you say I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> and if you're in Pens- if you're from Pittsburgh, and you're you, people are calling you from Philadelphia. That, that that's fight, them fighting more. So, uh, but but you're right Curtis about that, Curtis. With temperature. Is from the
0: Pittsburgh area too, right, Curtis?
1: That's that's my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Curtis. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, the Eagles and the Steelers. And uh, uh, so, but, uh, you know, one of the things that didn't fall in place was Australia. There were a fairly large number of cases that popped up in Australia. And I've got quite a few, uh, due to my climate change skeptic, you know, I've got Facebook, LinkedIn. I've been making a lot of connections all over the world, but a lot in Australia. And my my Australia connections were saying, whoa, no, 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 Greg, you don't understand. This is the end of our summer, and people are going on holiday. They're coming. they're returning. They've been all over the world. They've been in France and Italy and touring around. Uh, maybe they were in China. And they're coming home now at the end of their three- or four-week holiday to Australia and probably bringing the disease with them. And I said, oh, that makes sense. Uh, so this this is a uh, – it, 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 it'll be interesting. I think you'll probably agree with me when I say we'll, we'll know more about this coming up in the next uh, – it might be the next ten days and it could well be that yeah. uh, uh that it, we might we might know something sooner cuz as i talked to you this morning we woke up the humidity here was just was probably close to 100% and we got up close to 70 degrees so you know if this it'll be it'll be interesting to see what shakes out uh and you know we're we're sheltering in place our uh my daughter and granddaughter and grandson have been Hanging out with us here for the last few days, and we're, uh, you know, which is kind of nice. But uh, you know, we're just trying to make do and cooking and and whatnot. So, and as we're doing, like a lot of other people around the country, uh, but it is this. I mean, if if this is, I I don't I don't understand how this just blew up like it did when we have many more flu deaths every year than what we've seen from this yeah. so far. I just...
0: Exactly. It, exactly. I, we do have far more deaths from flu, the, the cold and flu season, than we do from, you know, this virus. And as I read the stat, it's not 0.04 that we have cases of infection. It is followed 0.004. Of our total population. And yet, yeah. we have far more people infected and dying of the common flu, the common influenza, than we have of this Wuhan virus. And I'm going to keep on saying Wuhan virus. I had two friends, but now they're safe in uh, South Korea, that were missionaries in the area where the outbreaks were occurring, uh, in so much as that the communist soldiers actually came to the house, called them outside took their pictures because they're American and said, well, you are aware the virus is here and we're not responsible for you. Uh, Basically saying, we don't give a damn if you die, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then make your own way out of the country if you can. It took them Mm -hmm. about a month and a half to get to South Korea where they are safe and tested fine. But this came out of an area around a factory known for making biological weapons. Why is the outbreak around that factory, why did the outbreak then concentrate itself in mental institutions and hospitals far worse than in the general population that are in urban areas? Were they testing them on these people? There's a lot of questions that the Chinese are not willing to ask. And once we start to raise that question, what did they do? The Chinese blamed the United States and President Trump for the virus, saying that it was an American made and it came from America. Not yeah. from where the true sources. It's mm-hmm. the propaganda that is out there and depending upon what station you turn on is gonna be well, where are you getting your news? From the criminal news network or from people like you and me. Yeah.
1: And 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 again these these several studies that have been coming out are are hugely comforting to me. Uh, now, bear in mind these they're they're still in, they're, these are, are not these have not been published. They're still in the peer review process. They might be a month or two from being published. But the authors and the teams of scientists that put this this out and did the research thought that this information. Uh, about the seasonality and, uh, and and how warm warm weather and humidity affect us, they thought it was important enough to get that information out to the public. Uh, so it's you know it's very early in this process, and and let, let's hope that what I'm talking to you about today is correct. And, uh, and and again, I I just go back to saying the most likely scenario is this thing's going to act just like the other coronaviruses and just. Uh, have this strongly seasonal characteristic, and we'll find it just kind of goes away here in a week or two or three weeks.
0: You know, I I have a tendency to think exactly like you, and I think by the end of this month and no later than mid-April, we'll see a huge decrease in infections. You'll still see it in the northern urban areas and areas that, like I said, in Spartanburg that are, you know, mountainous and colder and don't have the heat mm-hmm. that we have here, you'll, you'll still, still see it, especially in heavy urban areas. Now, Spartanburg has um, a couple of you know large urban areas in that area, which is where the concentration is. You're going to see them remain in urban areas, which will speak volumes for those of us that like suburban and rural areas. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we can survive better? Than those that rely on big government and big daddy taking care of them. Someone like De Blasio telling you, Oh no, um, your mom wants you to visit, but don't go visiting her. Just tell her, you know, just stay there, mom. We have, to, we'll talk, we'll chat by phone, and that's going to be okay. Well,
2: <laughs> because yeah, well, someone mate. like you,
0: you take in your daughter and granddaughter, is like, no, no, mom, just tell mom she's got to stay alone. Go, go, die on your own, mom. Nah.
1: Yeah, you, know, you know maybe what we should do. I'll just bring the family. You got an extra bedroom, Curtis, or or uh, Anna. You got maybe you can put us up for a week or two. How about <laughs> that? Sure thing. All right, I can be down there in 12, twelve, eighteen hours. Now we just had friends. I I just talked to friends this afternoon that uh, they were in Florida. They left. They didn't want to be trapped there. They got in at three o'clock in the morning here uh, and uh, drove the whole way back from Florida. They They thought they were afraid everything was going to get shut down, and it might. I mean, in Pennsylvania here, the governor of Pennsylvania uh, yesterday imposed, he said, uh, every single business that doesn't have anything dealing with life sustainability is required to be shut down under penalty of law, and they're going to use the state police and local law enforcement to enforce it, which is a little bit – I just want whoa.
4: Tractonian, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the word.
1: That's the word. Uh, yeah. Boy, and, and but it, yeah. it was interesting. We our governor here's uh, been very hostile to the oil and gas. We have a large natural gas uh, uh, workers, large number of workers in the, in the oil and gas field here. Uh, he 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 said that that business was required. That they were. They were part of this life-sustaining uh, business, which was we, we thought was funny because because uh, here's my, my son-in-law works out and you know, he works two weeks off, but t- two weeks on in the field, and one week home. Uh, so it's it's been tough on him. Think about that. Uh, he works 12 hours a day, and he's got to find place to get food. He's got to get uh, you know get things done, take care of things, and he's you know 10, ten hours from home. So it's difficult. It's difficult you know, for it, those people that are still working, especially somebody like like him that's staying in a motel with, you know, that he has to get rely on restaurants and the like for his food.
0: Now, that's that's the sad part because you now here we're you know the area, Greg. It's a heavy mm-hmm. tourist area. And they've closed down every single indoor and outdoor eating establishment in the entire state of South Carolina. And when you've got the start of the tourist season now and restaurants just nearing up to the tourist season, whoa, the impact on the people here. They've closed down all the schools. Uh, our churches have all basically said for the next two weeks we're not having any services inside the church. We'll do everything by video.
1: Uh, at least people
0: can get some spiritual guidance, but you know yeah yeah well, I'll give me another I think it's going too far
1: i I think you're right and and we've I've just talked to some of our our, our dear friends that own owned a uh, business uh, they just sold it actually uh, uh, six months ago, but they were managing it, uh, and they were going to have lay lay off uh, the people that own it now said you're basically' gonna have to lay off at least half of their staff. Of course before they got to do that they got terminated today. <laughs> so they called up and said, well uh, I guess they're, they're they're going on to their ne- le- the rest of their life's uh, mission uh, now starting today. Uh but that that's these are things that are going around uh that you know some of these people worked with them for 30 years they were going to have to send on their way. Uh, so it's it's very difficult uh, and and you wonder yeah, I'm not going to go there. That's, that'd be too conspiracy theorying, But uh, uh, it's like again, we'll, we'll know here in a week or two. And, and I just I'm well, not. you know. Whenever I see the Democrats pr- praising Donald Trump and agreeing to do all this stuff, I just it, I, something's wrong there. There's something.
3: <laughs> if there, if
1: if the Democrats are on board with it. I I'm not so sure it's we're doing the right thing with all this. But uh I don't know. Hey uh but well, you know, have- I, I was supposed to be on uh, with Laura Ingram angle last night uh, to talk about this and it just didn't we couldn't get it to work out. Uh but but the good news is uh, uh we and I've been writing again about this COVID and and actually the heat heat and temperature and we were uh, the featured podcast this morning on Heritage uh foundation's daily signal broadcast. So my my book is back up to it's number one in a couple of categories here today, which is amazing. So that just I thought I'd let you know about that.
0: Well you know Great. for a while I saw that uh Amazon was not gonna ship your book out. So well, I'm glad
1: to see uh, <laughs> Yeah there's um, they're still shipping From their warehouses and I I was mistaken when I read that what they're doing is restricting shipments into their warehouses so I can't ship any I have a Minnesota warehouse that distributes the book out to Barnes and Noble Amazon and the like so at this point Amazon's not accepting any more books into their warehouses so uh, and Amazon we just shipped them several hundred books last week so Amazon's got a few hundred books but they could certainly run out here with a uh, For too long So that's, I guess that's a good thing Yeah
0: Yeah, because I've been ordering stuff Off of Amazon And yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's been coming in a Little bit by little bit Not in its normal, you know Swift shipment So, you know, I've been sitting here tooling my thumbs It's like, okay, where's the shipment? It shows it left you on the 10th Today is the 20th Normally I get things between Three to four days this has now yeah. been 10 days you know what's the hold up and every time you look you see tracking is in progress in progress in progress and it's so mm-hmm. infuriating when it's something that y- you need
2: yeah and
0: yeah. you know heaven forbid it it's something that's life you know necessity yeah. But uh, this is this is the new reality thank you to the current system now I'm going to throw you the conspiracy theory because I threw this over at our previous guest Glenn Okay. And uh, about two and a half, three months ago, made George Soros made a public statement. He was interviewed and made a public comment. He said that with this upcoming election, there is going to be a major economic crisis. Now, he said this approximately a month before the Wuhan virus started to break out. Mm-hmm. My question is, George Soros has direct connections into the communist regime in China, as well as direct business dealings inside China. How much did he know? When did he know it? And how many deaths could he alone have said something specifically would have been prevented? And can we hold him criminally culpable? Good questions, people, to think about and ask your elected officials. What did he know? When did he know it? And is he now officially a traitor to the United States as well as a murderer? Oh, well, I he's a traitor. There,
1: I just said. Yeah, it. Well, if not about this, certainly he's with the market manipulation. He's already been. Uh, we know that he's done in the past. Uh, the the question I would have is if in two weeks, or let's just say tomorrow or the next day, we start seeing a de- decline in infections, and it just kind of goes away, and in two weeks we, we realized that, oh, my God, this was way overblown. The question will have to be is who benefits from that? Who, who would have benefited from that, and why was it done? Because uh, we've had other and worse, the H1N1, the, the swine flu, those things that, uh, will, that may be a lot worse than what we have right now, it was it, no one really talked too much about it. There wasn't no one overreacted. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't really want to talk too much about that. Cause it, you know, we're just let's, let's pray for the best and, and hope this all works out, but you might, we might want to talk a little bit about this commentary that uh, the last one I wrote concerning uh, temperature related mortality. And it is, Mm-hmm. The link was the H one or this this uh, coronavirus, but we're being told, and I link this because Joe Biden came out. His solution for the coronavirus was to to uh, get enroll us back in the Paris Climate Accord. He said because uh, oh, yeah. climate change was leading to significant uh, deaths and health related problems and blah blah blah, which that's just fa- false. You and I have talked before about the relationship between temperature and mortality and the, the reality is completely opposite of what we're being told we're being told that oh my god, oh my god, we can't let it get warmer by a degree and a half two, degree, two degrees or we're all going to die when when the fact of the matter is uh, according to the one study I referenced both uh, in the United Kingdom and Australia uh, they looked at temperature related deaths there and found that 15 times as many people in those countries died due to cold as due to heat. And then the largest study of its kind, Dr. Antonio Gasparini and a large team around the world looked at 74 million temperature-related deaths around the world from 14 different countries, and uh, they concluded that 20 times as many people die cold-related deaths as they do heat-related deaths. And so it only stands yeah. to reason that a little bit of modest amount of global warming would would likely save millions of lives every year. And again, that's well, opposite no,
0: I'm going to reference something that's up on your Facebook page, telling people to go to your Facebook page that you can find under your name, Gregory Wrightstone, which you have linked to your book website, Inconvenient facts dot xyz linked on the show page so they can click on that one your recent appearance on fox nation with steve hilton and the very <laughs> same thing you're talking about now you spoke about on that and there was a young lady that was trying to fight you tooth and nail oh. and she just was not winning you know, oh. you know what i'd love to say is because i got this from your book and i love to say this when anyone starts to challenge me about global warming and the first thing out of my mouth was are you aware that when Christ walked the world, it was a lot warmer than it is today, and yet He had no problem. So what's yours?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's, never that's true. People, answer. yeah, and we're just uh, yeah. That I just posted another installment for that Fox Nation uh, second part. I just did that uh, well, last evening, and then I've got uh, I've got another one. Uh, my interview I did at CPAC. Was uh, 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 I'm, I'm putting it together right now. I, I did that with uh, Heritage Foundation's Daily Signal. That should be up later today. Uh, but it, it's been it's been interesting. Uh, it's been the, if you want to maybe you, you want to hear what my t- big takeaway from CPAC is, Annie, is that uh, my big takeaway were the huge number of African-American, black black Americans that I saw at CPAC. Man, I mean, I've been going to CPAC for years, and it's not, you know, in the past it's been mostly, they haven't been a large, this year, oh my goodness. I mean, it was, it wasn't, I mean, it was just, uh, just large, large percentage of the attendees were, were black, and it's, if, if that's indicative of, Uh, of the african-american community in the united states that donald trump's having that effect it it could be game over uh you know of course this all predated the your wuhan virus but uh, uh and of course somebody somebody at cpac had that as you recall
0: yes yes but you notice that, you know, it was Republicans that had people showing up in their office as well as CPAC. It turns out that the people they were meeting with had some sort of a virus. And there was a comment from someone from The Washington Post, uh, a female uh, reporter, that made the comment, and thankfully she took a lot of heat for watch the Republicans drop dead because of the Wuhan virus because Trump doesn't care.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but yet – when you've, I found an unusual number of Republicans coming down with viruses because of public mm. contact. Yeah. 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 Disproportionate to the number of de- Democratic politicians coming down with that. There's a disappor- disproportionate number and I want to know, hmm, George Soros, did you send some of your minions out there? Good question. Yeah. I'm bringing it back to George Soros. Talk about conspiracy theory. <laughs> Do you think I can beat
1: uh, Alex Jones out? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, yeah. In fact, I got I got interviewed by uh, it wasn't I, it wasn't Alex that interviewed me, but his top guy did when I was at CPAC. Uh, what's his? Uh, what, what's the what's Alex Jones uh, podcast there? Whatever it is, and uh, so which was which was pretty interesting. Uh, in fact, that guy later, just an hour later, got kicked out of CPAC. And, and for your listeners, that's Conservative Political Action Conference, the largest g- group of uh, conservatives across the country. And, and here I've, I had four different conferences I was supposed to speak at. Um, and of course, they've all now been coming up over, uh, over the next month or so. I was supposed to be in Dallas, Texas. I was invited to speak at the Earth X Conference uh, which was the largest Earth Day celebration in the world. They were expecting 200,000 people in Dallas for this. And they were going to have Greg, little old Greg here. I was supposed to speak at the Earth Day conference. <laughs> and uh, uh, so they're going to, they've canceled the conference, but we're going to do it via uh, links. I'm going to do it uh, uh, live over the Internet. And so we'll still do it. I was supposed to be in uh, Las Vegas the following week. For the Heartland Institute conference, which is which has also been canceled, uh, and then last week and another large conservative conference uh, next weekend. But again, all these are they're dropping like flies. They're dropping like a chain-smoking ninety-year-old Wuhan virus uh, victim, <laughs> one right after the other.
0: Oh man! And they're actually starting to uh, cancel a lot of the um, uh, primaries. And, yeah. uh, well, we'll see what happens, because I, I think a lot of it has to do with they're trying to do a uh, contested uh, primary uh, to make mm-hmm. sure Bernie doesn't have anything in there. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Man, anyway, like Tulsi, we're waiting for a Tulsi Gabbard's been assimilated by the Democrat Party now. So uh, she, <laughs> she's on board. Never thought I'd see that, but... Uh, well, it's been good talking with you, Annie, and uh, uh, I still love you, even though you, 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 <laughs> you thought I didn't, so, uh, yeah, you always remember your first, right, Annie? <laughs> you were my Absolutely. first interview. I was,
0: yes, I was always your first,
2: just don't tell your wife
1: that. that. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Oh, well, she knows all about you, but uh, yeah, you were you were the, this was, you gave, I, I had an interview with you, it was even before my book was published, so uh and then I came down, uh, was it last August, uh, and talked to your group down in, in uh, South Carolina. Maybe we'll have to do yeah, it again this year. Fun.
0: Well, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I love driving around uh, with my little uh, cowboy hat on, with the pin that says "I love CO2" sitting in my back window.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, you just need just a come bumper come sticker. I just got it. bumper stickers in. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you might, might continue. All right. Well,
0: you got to send all right, me well, one. Thanks Greg. very much, talk Annie. Great. Huh. All right. And people can find you at uh, InconvenientFacts.xyz. Gregory Wrightstone. Check them out. Also up on Facebook. Always so much fun to talk with. And we've got a new guest on, on the show. I want to welcome aboard Phil Kirpin. Uh, he has a, a website called AmericanCommitment.org. He also has one for senior citizens, which is linked to that, that you can check out. And he's here to discuss a subject that is near and dear to me. And, oh, how I love this group. Phil, welcome aboard to Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie, the radio chickadee, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Um, AARP, what a godsend they are to the senior citizens of America. Don't you agree, Phil?
7: Um, Only because I think you're being sarcastic, I'll say, yes, I do. Uh, (laughs) They're terrible. Look – this is an organization that is essentially a non-profit for profit. Uh they pay themselves e- extraordinarily large uh salaries and benefits and uh, most of their money comes not from their membership fees but from licensing their name and uh in particular their biggest arrangement uh is the lending of their name to United Health, uh the biggest health insurance company in the country and their uh, pharmacy benefit manager division, OptumRx. And the, what what they've been doing, and they've been doing this for at least a decade now, going back to Obamacare, is uh, they essentially do the marketing and the lobbying for UnitedHealth, and they get a piece of the pie. Uh, they basically get to charge a uh, vig on all of the UnitedHealth policies that they help sell. They take 5% off the top. And they make over $600 million a year that way, and uh, they turn around and, uh, you know, lobby for insurance company interests and against the interests of seniors pretty consistently. And they're still running TV ads supporting Nancy Pelosi's crazy price control with a 95% tax hike on prescription medicines, all these ads. They're still running those ads while, like, they're running these ads to chop down and destroy the drug companies At the same time, like, the whole world is hoping that one of these drug companies is going to find a cure for this disease and save us all. Uh, But that doesn't give them any pause at all. Uh, So I I find them uh, pretty outrageous. And uh, we, we, you know, this project is uh, we were going to do a big launch and a rollout, and we've got a bunch of new research papers and other facts and information. We're we're sort of slowing things down a little bit because nobody's paying attention to anything other than the – you know, the coronavirus crisis right now, but I really do think that we're going to keep having bad outcomes in a lot of these healthcare policy debates, as long as, uh, you know, our elected officials are under the misimpression that AARP represents seniors.
0: Well, you know, I've had a running battle with AARP, and I, I'm slightly older uh, than you,
2: <laughs> been there,
0: and, uh When my mother-in-law – I had married my husband. My mother-in-law was having some problems with getting eyeglasses and things like that. You know, I said, I saw the ads for AARP. And I said, all right, fine. Let me sign her up for that. And at at that point in time, back in the early 90s, I wasn't aware of exactly what and who AARP was. But all my concern was is helping my mother-in-law. And, of course, it did do her good for, like, some prescriptions and for her eyeglasses – And for when she had to go to get her dentures adjusted. And then I started watching the news. And then they were talking about, there were little bits and pieces about Hillary Clinton putting together that thing for healthcare. And I started to see AARP insinuate itself into some of these debates and conversations. And then I started to listen. Something that, you know, you're, you're young, you're in your 30s, 40s, you're not paying attention. You're not thinking about these things and how it's going to affect you here and now, even though this is an organization going for senior citizens. You think it's harmless, it's with help the senior citizens. It sounds good. It sounds great. Oh, how marvelous they are. Discounts for this, discounts for that. You know, this great magazine telling you about your health. But when you stop and start to really listen to what they're saying, it became very, very scary to me. And then I started a one-woman crusade and got my mother-in-law out of there. But at that point, there was no other organization really out there to help. So, you know, people fell back to the old routine of going back to AARP. So what do you say to them today, Phil?
7: Well, I think there are a lot of other alternatives, uh, depending on what it is you're trying to find. If you're just looking for uh, discounts and that kind of thing, um, you know, usually you could just do a Google search, coupon code, discount, whatever you're looking for. I mean, these days, it's like so easy to find all kinds of discounts. I'm not even sure you need a membership organization for that. If you're looking for advocacy, someone to represent, uh, you know, your interest in Washington and state capitals, that kind of thing. I mean, there are a lot of conservative groups out there that do that. Some senior-specific, like 60-plus organization, which is the group associated with Pat Boone. Uh, There's also uh, now there's an entity called Amac AMAC. that sort of does does both the advocacy and does the uh, you know some of the insurance products and the discounts and that kind of thing. And there are a lot of other options out there. The main thing is. You know, don't ever buy something just because it has the AARP name on it. And in particular, don't buy a health insurance product just because it has the AARP name on it because they sold that name to United Health. It's an exclusive endorsement deal. And pretty much all of the commercial products that have their name on it, it's not because they've done an assessment and figured out what's best for you. It's because they're getting paid to put their name on it. That's why they make so much money from royalties.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, AARP used to send me all the stuff. And when I turned 50... Boy, did I get inundated with these things here. Sign up, sign up, sign up. <laughs> it got to the point where I would get, you know, two or three of them in the mailbox at the same time. So I'd turn them, I'd open them up, get their prepaid return envelope, and put in bright red letters, no. I would start off really like, no, thank you. Don't send anymore. And they just kept on coming and coming and coming until I took a bright red marker on them and started to say, what part of no do you not understand? And I got a little bit more colorful in the later ones. And finally, after about a year, they finally got the hint. I'm using their postage to mail that to say, right. stop, nope, nope, don't want it. Someone finally got the hint and stopped sending it. But, you know, they, they bombard you with these mailers. They bombard you with these print advertisements. they bombard you with radio and tv advertisements they're up on the social networks they are everywhere and yet they are one of the most harmful organizations out there
7: yeah i mean i really feel like we're not going to be able to win any of these major uh you know major national health care policy debates until we can sort of take their white hat off and uh, retrain our elected officials to understand uh, that they don't represent seniors, they don't represent voters, they they represent, you know, their own interests and and the interests of their business partners. And, you know, I've been watching us, you know, from a free market perspective, watching, you know, bad outcomes in all these health policy debates. And that's why we launched this project, because, you know, I don't see how We can get good outcomes in any of these debates uh, as long as they're sort of the 800-pound gorilla, and so that's why we're trying to sort of expose, uh, you know, the the massive conflict of interest they have when most of their money comes from a huge insurance company, and they're uh, you know trying to act like they're uh, advocating for seniors.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm a real pissant, (laughs) as my husband
2: would tell
0: you. I could I I could tell that. Well, you know, I, I have the ability because I've now reached that point in my life where I don't need to suffer fools gladly. <laughs> so I make a point of it, of pissing off at least one liberal a day. I've kept that 2 Year's resolution going five years straight. But I, I walked into uh, our, my local Walgreens to pick up a prescription, and right by the front door, uh, United Healthcare, with a big AARP sign, had put a sign up there. For Medicare Advantage, and at mm-hmm. that point in time, Obamacare had um, the Medicare Advantage plans being phased out within eight months. At that point, specifically in time, fortunately because of the backlash from the public outrage, they decided to keep the Medicare Advantage plans, but they were going to phase them out within eight months. And yet, United Healthcare, with this AARP alleged sponsorship. Was pushing the plans. And I looked at, and there's about six senior citizens gathered around this table. The sales agent did not like the fact that I walked up and challenged him on that very issue. Oh, I mean, This is what we have to do, Doug. We have to get the word out there, which is what your group is doing.
7: Yeah, well, yes, thank you. And, you know, the, um, you know, they, the AARP was fine with killing Medicare Advantage plans because their real cash cow is the Medigap plans, the uh, supplemental plans for oh, yeah. people who are in traditional Medicare. And uh, those plans, by the way, <laughs> which are their cash cow, you know, when they when they agreed to support Obamacare, even though calls from their own members were running 14 to 1 against it, uh, they got provisions written into Obamacare that allows their Medigap plans, uh, that allows Medigap plans, which is their biggest cash cow uh, to continue to exclude pre-existing conditions. Those are like the only plans. They can still exclude pre-existing conditions. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty pretty nifty trick that they pulled because, you know, it's the, the same time that they're out there saying, oh, my God, we need to end pre-existing condition exclusions in their political advocacy. Their lobbyists got themselves carved out of that. Yeah, it, it, it
0: is such a scam that I see on AARP. And having read the uh, People know, I've I've written on my blog, before Nancy Pelosi said, you've got to pass this so we know what's in it, I wrote, I read the the House plan, I read the Senate plan before the two of them were married. And I wrote extensively about the constitutional violations and other things that were put in there, Um, the conscription of labor that was put in there, the fact that in the Obamacare that a person uh, appointed by government can walk into your home and if they don't like what's in your refrigerator or in your cabinet you can be penalized. If you don't like what they're teaching your child, the child can then be removed from your home and given to social services. All this was in care, And then when you look at how the health care advantage with AARP was favored so much in it, and the public has no idea what AARP really is.
7: It's... Uh... It's pretty remarkable. And by the way, I don't guess. know if you've seen, have you seen the TV ads they're running now where they use like out-of-context clips of President Trump to pretend that he supports Nancy Pelosi's prescription drug bill and like they say, the Senate should pass oh, yeah. it? It's like the most dishonest yeah. thing I've ever oh, yeah. seen. What, what President Trump actually said about that bill is that he would veto it because it would prevent the development of 100 new medicines. Uh, now, if you're a seniors group, you should be against a bill that will prevent the development of 100 new medicines. But if you're a front uh, for a large insurance company that doesn't want to pay for new medicines, uh, then, then it makes more sense. But it's incredible. They, they use a totally out-of-context clip of President Trump, and they run these ads on Fox to try to make it look like uh, the president supports Nancy Pelosi's bill. Phil. Well, uh, Phil, yeah. I was going to ask Do you, believe-
0: if you've heard, if you watched... Oh, just, just give me a second. Because he mentioned the commercial. Let me follow this thought, too. If you had seen the commercials by a lot of these multimillion-dollar sports players, such as Joe Namath, uh, advertising for these Medigap and Medicare Advantage plans, how you get zero premium, zero money down. And if you look at their websites and follow it through, a lot of them come back to United Healthcare and AARP-sponsored programs. Have you seen those? Uh,
7: I have seen I have seen some of those. Yes,
0: because mm. again, they had somewhere along the way they're linked through United Healthcare and AARP. Because I went onto those sites, my husband and I are both you know, senior citizens on Medicare, and he's going, "Well, what is it?" And I checked it out, and it's such a scam. Well, Curtis, go ahead, because, you know, this is something else that, you know, um, Phil, this is what your group is is doing, exposing these scams. Curtis, go please. ahead, please, baby.
4: Yeah, I was just wondering if you think that um, AMAC is a viable competitor to ARRP and um, could eventually overtake them in maybe 10, 20 years.
7: Well, um, I know their founder recently passed, and so they're in a bit of a – sort of transition period, I don't know that there's necessarily going to be one uh, conservative competitor, because people, it seems every few years somebody starts a new one, they say, we're going to be the conservative ARP or what have you. I think that it's sort of more in the nature of conservatives to have a whole bunch of different groups uh, that cater to kind of smaller populations, smaller niches and so forth. So I'm not sure you're ever going to see that one. Powerhouse alternative, and frankly, you know I don't you know if somebody's in the if somebody's paying sixteen bucks a year to ARP because they like the magazine and they use the hotel discount or something, although I mean these days no one's staying in hotels, but you know uh, that's fine as far as it goes. My concern is not uh with that my concern is when they misrepresent themselves in these pu- public policy debates and scare politicians into thinking, oh, this must be what seniors want when they're really representing what their for-profit partners want. And so I don't know that you need to have one big, you know, sort of conservative alternative that takes them on and sort of displaces them or something like that. I think that uh, winning this fight, from my perspective, is more about uh, kind of making widely known what their business arrangements are, how they make their money, who they really represent, which in my view is United Health more so than seniors. And if we can do that... Uh, you know, maybe they can still be successful selling their products and what have you, but they won't be as damaging uh, in terms of you know, distorting the public policy debates we have around, around healthcare in this country. And that's what I think is really the most harmful thing they do.
0: Well, Phil, we're talking so much about AARP, which is, you know, as you can tell, <laughs> near and dear to me. I love pissing them off. But American Commitment does so much more. People can find you at AmericanCommitment.org because you started off at the Cato Institute. You were a policy analyst for the uh, uh, Club for Growth. You also wrote a book, which I loved. I love the book uh, Democracy Denied How Obama is Ignoring You and Bypassing Congress to Radically Transform America and How to Stop Him. Well, we figured that one out. We elected Trump. Yeah. You know, you have been so active. Yeah, he rolled back a lot you. of it. We'll we, see. Yes. Well, I got to we'll tell you how, that probably uh, at the time I was—I was, I was going to say probably at the time you were going to bed, uh, Stuy um, to Stuyvesant High uh, in Brooklyn, I was probably walking a beat in Brooklyn as a cop. But you know, your organization is is has a myriad of different uh, aspects to it, where you defend freedom of speech. You're going after regulations. Um, you're also looking at the tax code. You do a lot more things than you know people like me bitching about AARP. There's a lot more to your group than what we're talking about.
7: Yeah, what we try to do, it's a little bit different from some of the other groups. We really don't do uh, original research. Uh, we, we don't really, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't try to reinvent the wheel. What we try to do is kind of pay attention to the policy debates uh that are sort of on the margin. They could go in either direction on any of the fiscal economic or regulatory issues and and some related things like the free speech issues are important because if we don't have those we can't even do any of the rest of our work. So I mean we do work on uh, some things that aren't directly kind of economic, but typically uh we monitor sort of these fights whether they're regulatory agencies or in Congress uh or in the White House and then we we try to weigh in where we think you know getting regular citizens a little bit educated and a little bit involved whether it's writing letters to congress or comments into regulatory agencies or weighing in with the white house where getting getting you know regular people involved by, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand or sometimes more than that, uh, we can actually make a difference in terms of the outcomes and tip things uh, in a more free market direction. And uh, that's kind of the mission. And so we do a lot of, uh, you know, technology policy issues at the FCC. You'll see a lot of that on our website. Uh, we do uh, a lot of healthcare related issues, a lot of energy related issues. So basically all the things that really matter economically, taxes, all the things, um, they really make a big difference in terms of how the economy is growing, how many jobs there are, how much you know what's happening with wages. Uh, we try to look for the ones where you know we can affect the difference. Sometimes you're not going to. Sometimes something's just a freight train. You're not going to stop it no matter what you do. It's not really a, uh, a good use of people's time to get them spun up and active on something. Uh, other times, uh, you know. E- Something's going to be stopped anyway. It was introduced by one nutty Democrat, but it's not going anywhere. So you know, weighing in against it is not necessary. So, but we try to focus on the things that uh, really could go either way. Where getting people involved, educated, uh, active, can make a difference. And uh, you know, we get uh, send a lot of email action alerts, and uh, we do a lot of radio interviews like this one. And we just try to get the facts and the information to people so that we can tip some of these fights, uh, some of these outcomes across kind of all these economic policy areas, uh, in a, in a more free market direction. And right now it's kind of an insane time because, uh, you know, every crazy left-wing idea I've ever heard of, it seems like somebody's trying to attach to one of these coronavirus bills. And uh, you got Elizabeth Warren <laughs> saying, you know, forgive all student loans as part of the uh, coronavirus response. you got people trying to do, uh, you know, wind and solar energy credits and stick that in there. And, uh, you know, just sort of like all their left-wing ideas, somebody's trying to find a way to slip in. Now, Nancy Pelosi tried to put taxpayer-funded abortions in the first coronavirus bill.
0: Oh yeah, and
7: then, he, I saw that. And then this oh, is what they do. God. They try to put all of their insane left-wing stuff in these bills, and then they say, you know, how dare Republicans slow down this urgent uh, need to legislate when it's just Republicans saying, like, <laughs> you know, you take out all these ridiculous left-wing things that have nothing to do with this. And so it's a uh, this week has been a uh, challenging week from the standpoint of just staying on top of this stuff and trying to stop, you know, the craziest stuff uh, from getting attached to this uh, stuff. But uh, that—that's kind of the mission of the organization: try to stay on top of the uh, fights where we actually can make a difference and uh, and and you know move things in a, in a more you know pro-pro-growth uh, you know pro-prosperity direction. And uh, all the stuff's on the website there at AmericanCommitment.org. And of course, as as we were talking about. You know the the ARP stuff we're really we're, we really launched that project because a lot of these times we get in these fights on healthcare care that we think could go either way, and uh, we start getting letters going, getting people in, involved and so forth, and then you know ARP weighs in on the other side, and they just they've got the ability to just shut everything down. you know I mean the Trump administration had this really great proposal uh, to f- require the middlemen in the prescription drug business. To pass on rebates to seniors at the point of sale in Medicare Part D, because right now the pharmacy benefit managers have this insane perverse incentive they actually tell the drug manufacturers, charge us more, raise the price because we can charge twenty five percent of the price at the of the senior at the point of sale as a copay, so raise the price as high, keep raising it higher and higher and higher that 's great, we want it really high, but give us a big rebate because we 're allowed to pocket the rebate and uh, so if you give us a high price with a high rebate. We make a lot more money than if you give us a low price. Well, they're only allowed to do that because they have an exemption from the federal anti-kickback law. That's insane that they would have an exemption from the federal anti-kickback law. And a lot of these drugs, like insulins, the rebates are enormous. They can be over 50 percent of the list price. And so, you know, that's why those are so expensive. And so Trump had a very simple proposal. Let's get rid of the anti-kickback exemption. Let's require any rebate to be passed on to a senior at the point of sale in any Medicare Part D plan. AARP came out against that. Guns blazing. They blew it up. Like, wh- how could you call yourself a senior group and be against that? Well, you know, I figured it out. It's because United Health owns one of the largest pharmacy benefit managers, OptumRx. So, they, you know, it goes after the business model of one of their big for-profit partners where they get their money. And so, you know, we're going to keep losing these big policy debates if we can't kind of expose them. And so that, that's, what, that's where that project fits in sort of with the mission of the organization.
0: Well, we, we need to unite other conservative groups across the nation. I mean, I still run a Tea Party here in South Carolina, very active, several hundred members in just my little county. Uh, we need to get other groups, other Republican groups, other conservative groups involved. And I think if we can unite them the same way we united against, uh, behind Trump and against the Obama policies and Obama you know, little mini-me's that have come after him um, – I think we can probably make a little headway, but that's going to be the hard thing. You know, going into this upcoming election and coming out of this virus, you know, pandemic or pandemonium, I should really call it. You know, it's, it's going to take a little time to get us reunited into something like this. And I think um, if people realize how much AARP is affecting the way our health care is being taken care of during this emergency, I think we may be able to expose them what what's your thoughts Well, I was
7: shocked that they were still running that ad that I saw it even after all i mean i that just seems insane to me but but frankly, here's the thing I think uh, the 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 lesson we really need to take out of this uh virus crisis, and I hope it's over you know relatively soon uh. You know, every single crazy, stupid government regulation that they ended up suspending uh, should be repealed permanently. I mean, why do we have all of these uh, crazy rules and regulations that prevented tests from being developed and deployed and prevented treatments from being getting out and uh, prevented doctors and nurses working across state lines, all this kind of stuff? Uh, you know, I, I think that, and I've seen a few pretty good lists of everything that's been suspended so far, uh, it is amazing how... When it really matters, it turns out all these rules and regulations that the left always said we needed, we, we didn't really need so much. And so I think that's the message we need to carry out of this because – we know the left is going to have their messaging machine cranked up to say, see, this is why we need total government control of our lives all the time. And I, I kind of see what's happening right now as an example of government failure and, and you know private sector to a large extent uh, being the solution, especially when you consider you know, when the CDC testing basically totally failed, what did President Trump do? He said, okay, we're going to get Walmart and Target and Walgreens and CVS, to set up mobile testing labs in their parking lots, and we're going to get uh, we're going to get uh, Quest and uh, and Lab Tech, and they're going to run lab and they're going to run this all build a whole new brand new private sector system for doing all of this, and uh, it's almost up and running now. It's already up and running in a lot of places, and I think we're going to see the superiority of the private sector from sort of an organizational and a competence standpoint uh, over government pretty clearly over the next week or two, and I I hope uh, we're going to be able to get a handle on this as a result.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because my husband and I, I had to take him up to MUSC, the uh, Medical University of South Carolina, yesterday just for an MRI. And, you know, before you got in, just to the the offices, not into the hospital itself, into the offices, they had – everything closed off, and you had to go through a checkpoint. You know, have you been out of the country? Have you had a fever? Have you had a cough? Blah, 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 asking all the questions before you were allowed to pass further through. You know, passing our local hospital yesterday, I saw they already sent tents outside of the opening to the hospital where people were being checked before going into the hospital. And I've seen it being placed up. My husband said he went for a follow-up doctor visit after, you know, uh, going up to NUSC locally. And they had a tent outside of the office that, again, you had to pass through, go through the series of tests, fever, blah, 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 before you went into the office. So Americans are adapting. They're they're adapting very, very well to what the new situation is. We're very, very innovative. And an organization such as yours to recognize that and to work with us, I I think In time, I think, Phil, your organization, what you do, not only just on AARP and other issues, I think it's going to make a huge impact. And God bless you for the hard work you do, sir.
7: Well, I appreciate that. And thank you uh, so much for everything that you're doing there in South Carolina. And I'm thrilled to hear that you still have a large and active Tea Party group because I was a huge – huge fan of the Tea Party movement and went to all those rallies on Capitol Hill. And uh, you know, I still do some work with, uh, with, with uh, Tea Party patriots from time to time, but I'm glad to hear that uh, you still have a great local group there. And I hope there's still a lot of them around the country because a lot of the really Tea Party patriots was the only national group that survived. But I'm glad there's some local groups that are still very strong, and, uh, and thank you for doing that.
0: Well, Phil, we'll have to have you on a little bit more and talk about all the other issues that we do cover. God bless you. People can find you dot AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, thank you so much, and have a blessed weekend.
7: All right, you too. Have a good one.
0: All right. Again, check them out, AmericanCommitment.org. We've got our final victim up on the studio. If I can talk, Curtis. You can. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been... It has been a crazy, crazy, crazy day. I want to welcome a new gentleman to the show. Uh, He is a former business owner, a former, well, I think he still is an architect. Uh, Also, believe it or not, a CIA operative at one point in time. He's authored two new books out, the first book of why and the second book of why. The first book of why is actually Why I Am Me. And please, it is not a touchy-feely self-help book. You know, if we're not going to sit down and sing kumbaya, believe me, that's not what the book is about. The second book is the second book of why you need to know. And to tell you the cover of the book, if you're looking at the video, oh, that's If I push the video forward, (laughs) the cover of the second book is rather provocative since it has a stiletto knife, you know, perforating secrets, lies, spies, assassinations, revenge sex and betrayal let's welcome to the show Thomas Williamson good afternoon Thomas how are you today
6: I'm very good thank you and how are you and I have a quick question for you I have you on speakerphone is that okay uh, or would you rather just have me uh, no,
2: on the regular you're phone standing fine. No, you're sounding
0: fine.
6: Okay. Normally with the speakerphone, we get a reverb
0: or a background, but you sound pretty good, so don't worry about it. You're copacetic.
6: Well, good, because my wife is sitting here, and uh, we are uh, actually bored after being inside mostly for the last day or so. I don't know what will happen after a week. Uh, she might just decide it's uh better to go outside and see what happens than to suffer another few days with me.
0: (laughs) Well, she can't be all that bad because she has the same name as my little sister, Barbara. So, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, my my baby sister lives up in the Albany, New York area. So I sent her out a package today with um, South Carolina, saltwater taffy, and a couple of bottles of hand sanitizer because in New York, you can't get it. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, I, this virus has everyone
6: uh, upside down.
0: Um, you're still at
6: what? The Midwest? I'm still in the Midwest. We live in a little town called, or actually, just outside a small town uh, named Tremont, has uh, a population of probably 2,500, and it's a, just 15 minutes out of Peoria, Illinois. And uh, by the way, my wife's middle name is Anne, without the Ah. E. And um, my third book, which is about 80% done, uh, one of the main characters is also named Anne. Now, I have to admit, I didn't name them after you, but um, (laughs) anyway, I thought that might be interesting.
0: Oh, that is, you know, it, it's funny, and she
6: spells Ann correctly, A-N-N. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, <laughs> good. Uh, in my book, uh there's an E on it. Uh, and I also, uh, I know you're in South Carolina, I did a lot of uh, work outside of Myrtle Beach and Conway. Um, oh, it's been now probably 10 years ago, at least. Worked on a a bank in Conway. But uh, Mm -hmm. uh, South Carolina is a beautiful place, very nice, at least the uh, low country. I um, enjoyed it very much. And the city uh, of
0: Conway. It's Conway, Myrtle Beach is the Grand Strand. I'm in the Low Country, which is about three hours just south of it. Uh, low Country starts around Charleston and then goes down to. Uh, yeah, it is. I know the Myrtle Beach, Conway
6: area very well. Well, the one thing I thought was strange about Conway—not well, strange—I shouldn't use that word. Uh, different about Conway is they uh, were very proud of their live oak trees and. They gave them names, not just big oak or large oak. It was like John Foster Dulles oak. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they gave them all complete names. Um, Roads circled them, went around them. They went uh, very much out of their way to save those trees and protect them.
0: Oh, yeah. The angel oak is a very, very uh, famous tree in South Carolina. Matter of fact, the most famous of all the angel oaks, uh, all the, uh, the uh, oak trees are, is the angel oak on Johns Island, just south of Charleston. Uh, that is the, the uh, oak tree in South Carolina. And here in the Beaufort area on St. Helena Island, we have what we call the century or the emancipation tree where the emancipation proclamation was read and any slave that made it to the tree to listen to the emancipation proclamation was hereby a free slave true story here in South Carolina and they showed up by the hundreds and on that day slaves were freed in South Carolina under the century oak and it still exists and they actually have built the roadway around it because the tree started be encroached by traffic and they rerouted it and to gave the tree a little bit more breathing room. Very, the very we we care about those trees.
6: Well I could I could tell you South Carolinians did just by what they had done in uh, in Conway. But uh, and I also worked in the Charleston area or just north of the Charleston area um, on another Financial facility in that area, but those those days uh, are long past. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm retired and enjoying every minute of my retirement.
0: Well, you know your books are very interesting because you know
6: I'm I'm like I'm in that
0: place halfway between what a lot of the listeners are. You know, here you are a child of a World War II active duty you grew up you know with the war going on while like a father was serving um actually you were born I believe 44 and the war ended in 47 Uh, my father served in Germany in 47 and 48 so I'm also a child of a World War II veteran but I came long after and you know we're in that area where you know World War Two is now ended. You now have the Korean War going into the Vietnam War. And now, you know, the world has exploded. You, you come from a much more simpler time. You were a military brat, but, you know, things were a lot easier. When TV came around, you had two or three stations to watch. You know, you listened to the radio. You ran out and you played with your friends in the yard. It's so much different today. So... Stepping into your book and stepping into what childhood should be compared to what it is today, it is a striking comparison.
6: Well, that's true. And at the same time, uh, we uh, military dependents, especially uh, of the men who served in World War II, And and those that stayed in the service afterwards, uh, uh, we didn't suffer through things, but we appreciated the things that we had probably much more than uh, kids today do. Um, And it was a simpler time. Uh, we, uh, We didn't wear helmets when we rode our bikes and uh, we didn't worry about going downtown um, to the movie theater or riding the bus or uh, later on in life when my father was stationed overseas and the family was with him, uh, my younger brother at the age of i think he was seven or if that, and I was sixteen. We were sent to mainland Europe from England by ourselves just to tour for a week. Uh, And you couldn't imagine a 16-year-old and a 7-year-old in Europe today by themselves. (laughs) No,
0: no, heaven heaven forbid. I mean, people uh, freak out when they um, see a parent allowing a child to walk home from school two or three blocks next thing you know, child services is called on the parent, and the parent's being called before a court and for a judge. How dare you allow your child to walk home from school two or three blocks? You know, it, 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 we have gone so far overboard that we no longer let children be children, and we, allowed, we shut them in front of these smart devices or allow them to, to stay glued to these smart devices to the detriment of their mental and physical health.
6: Well, that's true. And, uh, one of the best things as I grew older, my parents told me was let your children, let our grandchildren make their own mistakes. Don't try and live their lives for them. Let them, uh, experience life and learn from, uh, the experience. And I think that is really true. Um, and, and I think is. that's something that's lost.
4: It is, because I yeah. believe today's children are too sheltered, and and that's why they're afraid of of everything. I mean, they have to have safe spaces, things like that, because they can't cope.
6: Well, isn't that the truth? Um, and I've my children. They you can't call them children anymore. They're uh, in their forties and fifties. They're somewhat that way, um, but not as bad as most of the college students of today who um, I can't believe sometimes what I see uh, on television. Um, It is amazing to see how little they can deal with. Um, And it in some ways scares me.
0: Yeah, and they're triggered over some of the most silliest things. I mean, heaven forbid they they watch some of the old shows coming from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know what went on? Then they would say, oh how racist, oh how how sexist. You know, you look at the Marx Brothers. Some of the stunts they pulled. You know, they'd be triggered every 15 seconds because of the sexual innuendo that was being used you know it's amazing how we have raised a generation of uh i'm trying to think of a polite way to to uh say it but i i'm having a difficult time
4: Uh, but wimps
0: wimps that's what my wife
6: just said wimps
0: yeah, I, I have more colorful language that I am biting back the back of my tongue, and my listeners know that I normally don't curse, but <laughs> one necessary, I let them fly, <laughs> and "wince" is, I think, is too polite a word.
6: <laughs> well, I have, uh, as I have watched uh, cable TV in the last several years, my wife, uh she uh, I, she has to get upset with me because I, I throw uh, words at the television set that I never thought I would use. Um, well, not that I <laughs> didn't use them, but uh, <laughs> not like I do now.
0: Well, I, I remind my husband, don't throw anything physical at the TV because we paid a lot of money for that TV. I can replace you, not the TV.
2: <laughs> and she's probably
6: laughing in the background. Yeah, agree. <laughs> well, one of the things that I did, uh, you know, it, when I was writing my books, one of the things that I tried to do was uh, tell people why I turned out the way I did, especially my children, to tell them about uh I think a time that not that it was perfect, but it was uh, a better life to live in a many in many ways than it is today. And to tell them about their me, uh, a parent, and their grandparents, and some of what they did. Uh, and I think it's uh, sadly something that's missing in today's kids. And also it. Uh, oh, how to say it, uh, shows them, hopefully tells them that their grandparents and the people that came before them had to go through a lot more and to uh, strive to make things a lot better uh, for them. And hopefully they'll appreciate some of that. Well, you know, uh,
0: reading your book, and as I was reading the first one, you know, um, something nagged me in the back of the head. And as I continued to read it, I began to understand, um, you wrote this book, you know, Why I Am, um, as a way for you to bring stuff out about yourself. But I found as I was reading it, you weren't talking just to yourself, trying to get yourself to understand why who you are today I, I seem to hear a voice in you saying, I need to tell my family who I am, why I did certain well, things. Well, that's exactly why right. I couldn't yes. tell you, sir. I, I felt it was more of a love letter to your family, friends, and explain to people that knew you why you did and who you are today.
6: Well, that's, that's very true because. Uh, yes. And I really appreciate I capturing her capturing that <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> she helps me out. I lose my words she's she's my thesaurus, my uh, dictionary editor she's she's many many things um, my best friend, my lover, she's my I companion um, but uh, she's someone special but I just wanted to know, and how it all came about, I discovered uh, a letter that my great grandfather had written, trying to tell his children about what he uh, had gone through, what had happened, Um, and it... uh, It was something that I thought I would do, and it started out as just, I think I mentioned it in the foreword of the book, uh, that it just started out as a three-page letter, and it ended up being uh, two books. Um, And the third book is uh, really a a book of fiction, but uh, the first two uh, have a lot to do about me and family and uh, about us.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it, you talk a lot about your grandparents, your great grandparents, what they went through. And this is something that kids today can't understand. You know, we've got this virus that's coming through and is ravaging our economy. And don't even, yeah. I got with my three guests on a rant and rave over this one. But Kids today, uh, oh, heaven forbid, you got to stay home for a week or two, stay in the house, you know, wash your hands, you know, sanitize your hands, clean surface. How dare you ask me to do that? Where you look (laughs) at what went on before us, where they didn't even have hot and cold running water, much less a bathroom in the house. It was the outhouse out back. It was the pump in the middle of the yard that got you your water. You didn't have electricity or air conditioning in a lot of these situations, yet our families survived. Our grandparents survived and raised their kids. Our great-grandparents did it. You did it. Your father did it. And we all managed to come out the other end. I mean, you lived in military housing without air conditioning. Oh, I remember living in military housing back in the 80s, and they were just starting to put air conditioning in. You know, these minor little inconveniences, we still survived and managed to raise kids. Well, I didn't raise kids. I was not blessed with it. But you raised kids. You had a productive life. You had a career. You, you made yourself in, in the world and brought your kids into the world. And yet today's kids today don't understand this. And I think that's why someone reading the book can begin to grasp. What they're living today is not the world's worst. There's been worse before that.
6: Well, that is true, and it is uh, – um, I lost my train of thought there. Anyway, uh, well, I was definitely- <laughs> when, when you mentioned, uh, you know, no running water, uh, you know, I – I literally, uh, for a while, lived with my great-grandparents for a year, year and a half, and we would go down and visit uh, with people who were literally a blacksmith who, uh, and I mean it was, I can still remember the smell of the, how the iron shavings smelled when they would go up in flames. Um, trying to uh, use the hand pump to get the water up. Uh, And with my uh, grandmother on my father's side, it was uh, a well that was just, you know, dug into the ground and it had a bucket on a rope. It didn't even have a lining. You know, you wouldn't let the bucket swing and hit the side of the, um, the well so... You could keep the mud off the bucket. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was truly an amazing situation. And uh, you were blessed if you had a, uh, I'll put it this way, if you had an outhouse that had different sized holes (laughs) where you wouldn't necessarily, (laughs) as a small little three-, four-year-old child, worry about falling in, uh, (laughs) falling through the hole. And that that was uh, literally a worry, uh, at least when you're three or four. Uh, But uh, simple simple things, simple toys to play with that were made by your parents and grandparents. uh, Things were. uh, And they were fun. Everything was fun. Even getting older and Riding behind the DDT truck, uh, you know, spewing out stuff to kill the mosquitoes that wouldn't, so they wouldn't pass around diseases. Now,
7: (laughs) heaven forbid,
6: (laughs) if you saw a DDT uh, spewed out anywhere. Um, Not that it was good to ride behind the the truck, but uh, that's what we did for fun. Uh, Crazy things that we did.
4: Well, not only that, we used to have, um, names for, um, diseases like German measles, Spanish flu, Asian flu. We even named one after chicken, chicken pox, but but today, if you try to use somebody's name, like China or, or whatever, the the people get upset this generation. Mm -hmm.
6: Well, that is true. And, um, it is, it's frustrating, that's the best way to put it, when you listen to, uh, and we have recently, uh, uh, to watch the daily briefings, uh, the press briefings with uh, President Trump, and listen to some of the silliness, uh, uh, maybe silliness, the stupidness that's comes out of the mouths of some of the people asking the questions. Um, it, it's crazy, and it seems to be getting worse, where everybody seems to need to be, be part of the hyphenated word generation. Uh, you're Irish-American, German-American, white-American, black-American, on and on and on. And instead of just saying, hey, we're Americans and we're all in this together, um, is one of the saddest things that have, has happened in the last generation or two. It's, it's. I find it sadly disappointing. I'll leave it at that. Well, you know, you wrote
0: extensively about your dad and his his service and the sacrifices he gave to our nation. And you had some, you know, uh, fun antidotes in it, as well as the seriousness. And what struck me is is that uh, your father was known, but not known. You know, the people that mattered knew who he was, But everyone else didn't know the importance of who your father truly was. And it struck home to you and, I guess, to your family. At one point, he got sick, severely sick. Uh, I believe it was with malaria overseas while serving. And they couldn't get the medication to him. And you wrote a scathing letter to the White House. And the response and reaction, you never expected. No, I
6: didn't. Uh, actually, it wasn't malaria. It was the gout, if you can believe that. Uh, oh, he that's was in right. Vietnam. I believe the gout, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I he was, was in Vietnam. Um, actually, he was uh, he was in the Air Force, but he was on the ground in Vietnam, um, and he had taken – you get R&R, rest and rehabilitation. They give you a week off. So he got to uh, week off for more, and he got to go to Thailand and his uh, anyway, his leg and foot blew up like uh, you know two or three times their normal size, and they sent him back uh, to uh, Vietnam instead of keeping in him in uh, Thailand or getting him or, or letting him stay out of the uh, the war zone and i got very upset and wrote a letter to uh Lyndon Johnson and to my surprise um, he had a he my father had a uh, a brigadier general one star general come in and visit him in the hospital uh and check it and see how he was doing because i thought it was uh I forget the wording, something damn poor way to treat somebody who had spent his entire career in the military and whose my two brothers were, one was flying B-52s at the time over Vietnam, and uh, the other one was uh, his number, his birth date had been pulled number one in the uh, draft. Uh, He was going to go as soon as... uh, He graduated from college, but, uh, my father, uh, did get attention, uh, and he got his medicine, um, and it worked. My mother, uh, told me, uh, I had told her what I had done and made her promise not to tell my father, but years later, she said that, uh, she had told him, but, uh, Anyway, uh, that was something that uh, surprised me. In some ways it didn't because my father had done some things in uh, the Dominican Republic that uh, he had been asked to do. My father was a a very, very good pilot, um, and he went into... Uh, the military as a private in the army, uh, right after Pearl Harbor, two or three months after, and came out uh, as uh, a pilot, an officer, and um, he was a very, very good pilot. He did a lot of things, um, and so uh, his tombstone says World War Two. Korea and Vietnam, and he was in combat in all three of those. Um, anyway, he, he to this day, is my hero.
2: <laughs>
0: well, reading the book and what he did, it, it, he's my hero, too. You know, there's so much that you put in there, and you talk extensively about your marriages, Um You had me crying in in many areas uh, with some of the stuff that was going through, and uh, as you go into your second book, you carry on, but the second book is a little bit more intensive than the first book. The first book is more like an introduction into who you are, your family. And you kind of like gloss over a lot of different things that you then go a little bit deeper into in the second book. And I don't want to give too much away because we want people to buy both of these books. But somewhere along the way, you became an architect. You started to have, you know, a lot of nice projects that were going on. You got involved with the school district and, you know, amazing projects and things that you helped grow the school district with. But you got approached quietly by the CIA. And you ended up being a operative for the CIA
6: for a short period well, of time. Well, I I did, and I wasn't technically an employee of the CIA. I was a uh, a contractor, and just like uh, a lot of other people, uh, people that would usually never uh, be known or have their names even known until thirty or forty years after they've done their things uh... people like the actor sterling hayden uh, actually one of the supreme court justices had uh... from years past not any of the current ones uh... had been uh, a contractor for the cia at one time so uh, the difference was uh, we were asked to do some things, and uh, we did them, and uh, we did them for a lot, probably a lot of different reasons. Uh, and it was something that uh, was brought me a great deal of personal pride, uh, and that's also something that uh, very few or no one even knew about, even. Uh, My best friends, so, uh, and certainly not uh, my children, and that's something I wanted them to know a little bit about. And,
2: and, uh, but I
6: did. Excuse me.
0: You know, it it sounded so exciting, and you know, here you are, you're placing your life on the line. You know, as an operative, you're like you said, you're not an employee. You don't have the indemnity. If anything were to happen to you. Uh, as far as anyone knew, uh, you were over there. You were taking pictures. They have no idea what you are up to.
6: Hands are washed
0: clean. You're on your own.
6: Well, that's the difference between um, people who are—I won't say everyone, because there are a lot of uh, CIA, you know, agency people who do dangerous things and are at risk. But many, many people in the cia are uh, given some diplomatic cover so if they're caught um, eventually they will be released and um, you know get to come home if you're just a contractor uh, they don't know you if something happens to you you are on your own Um, and that uh, that was the thing that was I'm not a brave person, but that and that was the thing that scared me the most but uh, what always concerned me the most and I found out about myself was I could do a lot more if there was somebody either beside me or behind me or uh, that I could count on or be with me when I was absolutely or I thought I was absolutely on my own. Uh, for me, it was it was scary. Let me put it that way. Even when you know it wasn't that dangerous at that moment, it still those were fears I had to always overcome. I'll put it that way.
0: Well, so, as your your handlers used to say, breathe. <laughs> Remember to breathe. Well, yes. I thought that uh, that very 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 uh, apropos. And, uh, you know, and and people can get themselves worked up into a tizzy if they start to overthink, which is a problem a lot of us do. And you talk also about those, you know, not twilight, but those midnight hours, some, that time between 2.30 and 4 in the morning, a lot of us end up waking up in the middle of the night, whether it's because our bladder is saying time to wake up or you know, things just nag you in your, in your brain. And as you think you're, you're asleep the most, these things start popping up into your subconscious. And then conscious, next thing you know, you're awake and just
6: dwelling on these issues. Well, that's true. And uh, that's the one thing I can say that I'm proudest of over the years. I tried to write about it in the book when I was, you know, very young. You know, you see these cartoons about kids worrying about, monsters under the bed or uh you know being afraid of the dark those kinds of things and that was me when i was little and over time you know i learned to manage those things and uh, put little i built little rooms that i would lock these things away and now i can just uh and i do i i wake up for a variety of reasons, always about the same time. But I can open the door to pleasant thoughts now and lock up and close the doors, uh, uh, you know, to the bad, uh, the bad things. Now, my biggest problem is my brain is so cluttered with little rooms I've locked things away in that uh, I can't remember <laughs> a lot of things. That, <laughs> at this old age. Phil. We,
0: we say we suffer from CRA. Can't remember. <clears throat> and I'm sure you know what the last word is. <laughs> go ahead, Curtis.
4: Yeah. Phil, did you go to the CIA or did they approach you about working? No,
0: no, no,
4: not about Phil. Tom. Tom. Thomas. I mean, Tom. Oh, Still man. Our
0: last guest. Tom. Thomas. She's yeah. Thomas. <laughs> not- suffering from CRS, Curtis. <laughs> yes.
6: Yeah. Not a problem. Like Thomas. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, they approached me. What happened was, and I didn't know it at the time, uh, early in the Vietnam War, uh, they everybody... Well, let me back up a little bit. Everybody still had to sign up for the draft. So at 18, I went uh, down and registered as required by law. Um, and as they started to reinstitute the draft... Um, they said, everyone in college, you can quiz out of it. My word, quiz, not theirs. But uh, they invited us, at least at the school I was going to, uh, to come in and test. And you went in, you gave them a thumbprint, uh, you were given a paper and a ballpoint pen or pencil, I can't remember which, and a list of four or five subjects to write on that you could pick. And I picked a, uh, uh, something that had to do with uh, the Soviet Union and Red China and which one would be our biggest enemy in the future. And I wrote about that, uh, didn't think anything more about it. You know, as long as I stayed in college, they weren't going to draft me. And uh, some years later, uh, because of a whole different set of circumstances, they went back to that, and that was one of the reasons I was picked. But uh, the main reason was I was an architect uh, with cons- uh, conservative leanings. Most architects, art students, uh, were more radical out uh, demonstrating and things during the Vietnam War, so on and so forth. And um, the CIA had a project where they were uh, had invested a lot of time and effort with another architect who had uh, uh, contracted terminal cancer. And they had to find someone who was an architect To quickly replace that person and because my father had security clearances from the military and both my brothers had security clearances I was there uh, I was the opportune architect at the time to be selected because of all those things and um, that's what happened um, they had me on a list early on from uh, college because I didn't know, but that was something that uh, they were had uh, set up to review for future situations. Uh, so all of that combined, they came and asked me, and I had uh, the ego, and I thought, why not, you know, I'll prove things to myself (laughs) and to my father, and that's what I did, so uh, Uh, that's how I got involved.
0: Well, they're both amazing books, and you know, what I love is that you spoke lovingly of each of your brides, um, no matter what, and each one was someone completely different and you now have a new love in your life, Barbara, and God bless that the two of you found each other. And Barbara, your story alone is an amazing, amazing story. What you have gone through and how you have been such a a beautiful woman and and given so much uh, with your family. And now what you're giving now to Thomas and his family, you're, you're an amazing, amazing person. My recommendation is the next time you buy Thomas a gift, Get a hat that says yes, dear. So anytime he starts to give you a lip, hand him the hat and say what did you say now, dear? <laughs> yes I dear. agree. And I have a wonderful <laughs> man here. Did she hear that? I'm sure
6: she heard that. Uh, oh yes. Anyway. I heard it <laughs> I Yes, I I am lucky uh we're, she said we're both lucky, and we are um
3: <laughs>
6: I'm glad we get along as well as we do because uh we spend a lot of time together now we're going to spend a lot
2: of
0: time <laughs> and, as
6: every minute together for who knows how long so uh
0: and i in the third book and wait till they see
6: me there yes she um uh, I've written about her in the third book. As you know, uh, she has a chapter in the second book, along mm-hmm. with uh, my dog, Grover, who is no longer with oh, yes. us. Uh, but, uh. Uh, yeah, he was a good dog. But my wife's a better wife. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, I do have five
0: cats. I did have six. I lost one last year. Um, I, I, my first pet actually happened to have been a dog. Uh, I ended up becoming allergic to dogs. But you know, all my animals have been rescue. And I remember my mom had lost one of her cats, and you know, there was the last cat that was in the house, and she was kind of like my mom was moping, literally moping around the hat, the house. There was no cat. So I, like you, I went to the shelter. And like you, I found this one that everyone said, don't adopt. And I brought this one animal home, just fell in love with it. And for many years, that cat was such joy. And the cat was so smart and so loyal. And like you, you found that with Glober. And I, I, I tell everyone, you know, go to a shelter and to adopt. Don't buy one of these from a puppy mill. You know, go to the shelter. Unfortunately, a lot of these puppies from the puppy mill end up in shelters which makes them all the more precious. So, you know, we've got those services out there. Let's utilize them. Let's go to the shelters and, and help the nonprofits. But this is what conservative is about. When they think that we hate these things? No, we actually support and love them. Absolutely phenomenal books, Thomas. I'm looking forward to the third one. you got to make sure that you do send it to me. I have so much fun reading them pictures of them are up on the uh, video that's showing up on Facebook and will be put up on YouTube a little bit later. There is a link on the show page to your website, which is your name with a hyphen in the middle, thomas-williamson.com. They can read about you, get your books from over there, uh, and God bless you for writing them, and I'm looking forward to the third book.
6: Well, I am looking forward to getting the third book completed and maybe that's a positive with uh being locked away here in the next few weeks <laughs> uh in quarantine or whatever you want to call it and thank you so much for doing that for uh, the books and uh, for me I really appreciate it and I I uh, actually I enjoyed writing the books and I have really enjoyed writing this third one so uh, and uh, I hope people do take a a look I think they will be um, happy with what uh, with what they read or I shouldn't say happy enjoy the books I'll put it that way well, thank you, right. Thomas. And it it's
0: also a pleasure speaking with you and your lovely bride, Barbara. And God bless you. And please stay safe.
6: Well, yes. we will. And thank you. And you, yes, yes Barbara said uh, you're wonderful, and you are. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate uh, every minute we've spent here. The, uh, and we've enjoyed it immensely. Well, we Barbara, put him to work.
0: them to sit down, right, right, right. Go work, 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 Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) And we (laughs) agree. We will. We will. Thomas and Barbara Williamson, thank you so much and God bless you and have a wonderful weekend.
6: Well, thank you. Bye
0: bye.
2: Bye bye. Take
0: care. All right, Curtis. What, what wonderful people, and we we have such wonderful guests that come on the show. I don't know how we look out. Very rarely do I find one that's a pissant, but oh, we have so much fun with them. <laughs> um, with those that tuned in at the start of the show expecting our um, dedication to a fallen hero, our schedule got a little turned upside down. One thing led to another. So at the end of the show, uh, Curtis and I are going to do the dedication to our fallen hero. And we probably we may end up with a few minutes afterwards, but before I do the dedication, for those that are listening in Beaufort, South Carolina here, I got my shipment of alcohol in and my shipment of aloe vera. I'm going to be putting together some hand sanitizers. If you are from my tea party here in Beaufort, South Carolina, if you're here in Beaufort, South Carolina, and you do not have any hand sanitizer, contact me through the Beaufort Tea Party website, and I will let you know how you can get some. Uh, I am doing this for the community. It's not me to stockpile. It's not me to put up on the Internet and sell for exorbitant prices. It's here for me to help the community and to help keep you safe. So, again, check me out on Beer for Tea Party website if, if you need it. Otherwise, don't look for it to stockpile. This is going to be for people that actually really do need it. And that said, Curtis, um, we had a lot of fun, so uh, I guess it's time for us to do our dedication.
4: I would say so. And we'll be back next All week. All right.
0: Absolutely, next week. And we do have guests early lined up for next week. Um, I'll be damned if I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I know, we were pretty much filled up next week, and I'm looking for the following week to get uh, – Mark Sutherland back on along with Dan Perkins to talk about the Wuhan virus, to talk about the Jezebel spirit. Uh, I think a lot of this all ties in. So I will be reaching for the following week, not next week, but the following week to have Mark and Dan and I I know Mark you're listening in. I see you out there. So I will be talking to you. <laughs> it's a good thing about seeing who's up on um uh, on my Facebook page while we're doing this. All right, that said, uh, today's dedication is going to go out to Public Safety Officer Jackson Ryan Winkeller of the Florence Regional Airport Department of Public Safety here in South Carolina. His end of watch was Sunday, January 5th of this year. And this is from WITX and it is it reads A suspect is now charged in the killing of a police officer at a South Carolina airport. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division announced that James Edward Bell 37 is accused of shooting to death officer Jackson Ryan Winkeller of the Florence Airport Public Safety Department. Agents say on Sunday morning Winkeller did a traffic stop at Bell's vehicle on a road on airport property. Bell is then accused of shooting and killing Winkeller during the stop, then leaving the scene. Officers who responded to the scene of the crime described what they found. According to the warrant, they found an empty 9 millimeter handgun with more than... They also noted there was a bullet hole near Winkeller's driver's side mirror. Winkeller's service weapon was also missing. Officers arrested Bell near Highway 52 in Florence County a short time later. They say during a search they found Winkeller's gun. In addition to the murder charge, Bell is also charged with disarming discharging discharging of a firearm into a vehicle and possession of a weapon during a violent crime. Winkeller's funeral was at the following, was the following Thursday. Florence Airport Director Connie Anderson wrote, Officer Jackson Winkeller brought so much joy to our work family. His contagious laughter and infectious personality had the ability to brighten a room when walking in the door. And he will forever impact those of us here at the Florence Regional Airport who had the pleasure of working with him. Please continue to pray for us as our family unit is broken right now. But we are so thankful for the grace of our Heavenly Father and know that in time, we will heal. As we do so, Jackson's memory and dedication to the Florence Regional Airport will forever live on. We ask you to please join us in prayer for Jackson's family. Thank you, Winkela family allowing us to love and share your son's life. He is and will always be Florence Regional Airport's hero. From Emily Wakeham of WIS-TV, Florence County is a community that knows heartbreak of losing law enforcement officers all too well they mourned an officer fatally shot at Florence Regional Airport early Sunday, January 5th, in the morning. It is the third law enforcement officer to be fatally shot in Florence County in less than two years. Investigators say 26-year-old Jackson Ryan Winkeller was shot while making a traffic stop at the airport. When Winkeller wasn't working as an airport officer, he spent his time as a firefighter at the latter. Fire Department. A procession of emergency vehicles made its way from the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston to a funeral home in the latter area. Friends who worked alongside Win Keller at the latter fire department said the community is extremely close-knit and devastated by this loss. To lose one of our own is probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with, Lieutenant Nick Athia. A firefighter at the Latter Fire Department said, that's the closest it's hit to home. Nick Bethia fought fires alongside Winkeller for the last year, but they had been friends since middle school. Bethea said losing him is like losing a brother. Jackson had a heart of gold, and that was the most important part to us, Nick said. He always cared about everyone else. He always put himself last to make sure everyone had what they needed. Jackson would give you the world. He said Winkeller's death had been devastating for the entire community. There is no one in this community who didn't know Jackson Winkeller, he said. It didn't matter who you were. He treated everyone the same. Winkeller's tragic death is a fresh wave of heartbreak For the Florence County community who lost two officers, Deputy Farrar Turner and Sergeant Terrence Carraway, during a shooting in October 2018, Florence County Council Chair Wayman Mumford said, the community is trying to recover and heal from losing these officers. This is one morning, right back in the same thing we had in 2018, so it's just so sad, Mumford said. Officers, officials said this was the first officer-involved shooting in the nation in 2020. I don't know what goes through people's mind to cause them to do such hideous crimes, Mumford said. Winkella's fellow firefighters said he was one of the most selfless people they knew. If I had to make one phone call, and it wasn't to family, it would be to Jackson. Because you know... He would do all he could to help you, John Thea, a Latter Fire Department firefighter, said. Nick Thea said Winkeller always wanted to go into law enforcement to help and serve his community, and his loss will be felt by law enforcement and the entire community for a long time to come. It has brought us closer together than we thought we were. It has shown us the true meaning of brotherhood, the thin blue line." And a thin red line, they're together, in general, Nick said. The Florence Airport director made a statement saying, Winkeller brought so much joy to the airport's work family, and that he is, and always will be, Florence Regional Airport's hero. Today's show is dedicated to Public Safety Officer Jackson Ryan Winkeller. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military from the birth of this nation until today and into its marvelous future. And as we end this show, we thank everyone for joining us. We thank those that have been with us over on Facebook, on
2: Blog Talk Radio,
0: and SHR Media. And we end the show quietly with the dedication to these brave men and women that serve our nation. And we ask that you join us again next Friday in another exciting adventure here on Southern Sense. So as Curtis and I sign out, Annie, the Radio Chickadee, and Curtis C.S. Bennett. We thank you. And may God bless each and every one of you. And to remember to be safe out there during this virus and our economic upheaval may end very soon. We end the show with the closing when the roll is called out yonder. I say good night and God bless.